You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. There we go. We're away. Okay, good morning and welcome along to the program. And uh, I hope you're having a wonderful morning. You're up early. If you're milking cows today, I hope you have a good uh, butterfat content milk this morning. It's a five past five, five minutes past five. Let's check out the extreme weather conditions right now. Of course, we're right in the middle of um, of the uh, the fake climate change, so uh, we've got to bear that in mind, don't we? The highest temperature today is uh, right now at 22.1 degrees in Napier, and uh, the lowest temperature is in Twizel, 11.8 uh, the windiest place to be is Napier Airport, 24 kilometres of wind, so it's about 10 knots gusting there. And Milford Sound ha- is the wettest place with 4.9 millimetres of rain. The temperatures right across the main centre, Stewart Islands on 15 degrees. Good morning to you. Chatham Islands, 19 degrees. Invercargill's on 14, uh, 16 in Dunedin. Timaru has 16 as well. Christchurch, 18 degrees. And Blenheim. Blenheim is 19 degrees. I think um, Winston Churchill uh, lives in a place called Blenheim. Uh, in, in the United, it's a, uh, like a big castle, I think. Uh, Queenstown, 14 degrees. And on the west coast there, Franz Joseph, 17 degrees. Westport, 20. Nelson, a little cooler than Westport this morning with 19 degrees. Wellington is on 19. Masterton, 19, uh, sorry, Wellington's 20 actually. Just turned. And uh, Masterton, 19 degrees. Napier, 22. Palmerston North, 20. New Plymouth, 21 degrees. Taupo and Rotorua both sharing 19 degrees. Uh, we've got uh, 20 degrees in Gisborne. Tauranga is also on 20, along with Hamilton. 21 in Auckland and Whangarei. And Kaitaia has 20 degrees. Let's check out the short forecast, valid until midnight tonight, for all of New Zealand. For the North Island, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty. Isolated showers turning to rain in the Bay of Plenty and Coromandel for a time this morning and clearing in the evening. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain spreading south this morning and heavy falls in Gisborne clearing this evening. For Waitomo to Wellington, including the central high country, also for Wairarapa, Marlborough, Nelson and Buller, fine spells today and isolated showers mainly in the afternoon and evening with possible thunderstorms and localised downpours inland. For Westland and Fiordland, showers, some heavy and possibly thundery this morning and evening. Canterbury, scattered morning rain, followed by isolated showers, some possibly heavy, and then clearing in the evening. For Otago and Southland, cloudy periods with isolated showers, late rain for Western Southland and Stewart Island. And finally, for the Chatham Islands, cloudy periods with drizzle, early morning, and then you've got rain tonight. The extended forecast for Tuesday in the North Island, showers developing, heavy and possibly thundery. In the South Island, rain with squally thunderstorms in the south and west. Scattered showers and hail as well, developing in the east. On Wednesday in the North Island, a few showers in the south, otherwise fine. Uh, The South Island on Wednesday, mainly fine with a few showers. On Thursday in the North Island, a few showers in the south, occasional rain developing Gisborne. Uh, fine weather elsewhere. In the South Island Thursday, mainly fine. Late rain developing in Fiordland. And on Friday for the North Island, a few showers in Gisborne, otherwise mainly fine. In the South Island Friday, rain with, in Fiordland. Scattered rain in the morning, that is, clearing in Otago and Southland. Otherwise fine weather for you on Friday. The extended forecast for the Chatham Islands, rain, heavy rain and gale falls north northerlies. Uh, They're going to be easing on Tuesday afternoon in the Chathams, another period of rain on Wednesday morning, and then becoming fine with a change to southwesterly winds again, back to the good old sou'wester. And clouds, a few cloud, cloudy periods on Thursday and Friday with winds turning 
southeast for you. Well, that is uh, news and weather. We'll have more from TNT Radio News at six o'clock. Setting goals. It can turn out to be a drama for your life. Here's what goals are. Your vision of the future. Your vision of the future. Now, there's two ways to face the future. One, with apprehension. Number two, with anticipation. Guess how most people face the future? With apprehension. If you face the future with apprehension, you'll take hesitant steps all day, uncertain steps all day. And if you take uncertain steps all day for six years, you can imagine how empty your life can be. 88.1 FM, The Wireless, New Zealand's News. It's nine past five, and nine past five, and we'll look at the papers. We'll start off with the, and what do we go for? What should we do for the Otago Daily Times? How about that? Yes, the Otago Daily Times on this wonderful day. It is 25 degrees today is the high in Dunedin. That's what they expect. Overnight, they had down, down to 12 degrees. Now, it's a race against time as the whales stranded on the East Coast beach. That's according to the Otago Daily Times. A pot of whales has stranded at a beach near Mahia on the East Coast. These are the front page headlines. And a company must pay a worker, pay worker who made $30,000 worth of errors. A company that refused to pay an accountant who did such a bad job that he cost the business $30,000 has been ordered to pay by a tribunal to fork out uh, of the man's unpaid wages. Yeah, that's the thing with accountants. But then he was an employee, wasn't he? He wasn't actually contracted. So I can see why they made him pay. Now, a mum gives birth to Auckland in an Auckland megastore. The baby boy was born in a toilet at an Auckland wholesale store. Uh, and uh, his mum... She was shopping, her mum and dad were shopping for the baby shower that she'd planned to host on the weekend. The Tangiwai disaster, memories still vivid, 70 years on. An Oakuni man attending a memorial service at the Tangiwai rail disaster, or of the Tangiwai rail disaster, says he's still touched by the event 70 years on. And more heavy rain for Westland, the parts of New Zealand are bracing for... Uh, and battling the battling what bracing for a battering uh, of rain and thunderstorms today as a tropical cyclone strengthens near Australia Canterbury fires a heart goes out to family says Mayor three large vegetation fires in Canterbury remain contained and controlled with two in the mop-up stage according to Fire and Emergency New Zealand opposition parties urge Luxon the Prime Minister Christopher Luxon to shut down treaty principles. Opposition parties, probably mainly the Maori Party, have uh, seized uh, seized on a leaked ministerial memo about the government's proposed treaty principles bill, saying the Prime Minister should put a stop to it. Heavy rain forecast for the East Coast. East Coast residents in the North Island are again bracing for a deluge, according to Met Service. And, uh, can we trust them? Uh, I don't know. They've been hiding information, haven't they? Uh, issued, they've issued a heavy rain warning for the um, Tar- Tarawiti area, north of Tolaga Bay. And another busy day for Canterbury fire crews. Fire crews have uh, bl- battled blazes for another day amid hot and dry windy conditions, which happens. It's not the hottest we've had in this country. 73, February 73 was the hottest with recorded temperatures of uh, over 42 degrees. 
Why Makariri Mayor Dan Gordon says his heart goes out to the people affected by the big fires. I think that's a repeat of the earlier one. More on the Canterbury fires. Uh, National uh, Maori uh, meeting. Government representatives defend the Prime Minister Chris Luxon's absence from those meetings. Uh, Maori Development Minister Tama Potaka has defended Prime Minister Luxon his absence from the National Maori meetings, where many people, uh, many speakers, have attacked the new coalition government's policies towards Maori. And scrapping the clean car discount will cost twice what it saves, according to a new report. The advice has never officially been presented because the new government suspended the need for regulatory impact statements for undoing the Labour-era policies. A gang leader has been, with 84 convictions too, by the way, hands over $300,000. Gang leader Jamie Pink has agreed to hand over $300,000 of his ill-gotten gains to the Crown. That's the government. Less than one-fifth of the amount police believe that he had netted in crime. And a man wins a fight with uh, NZTO, NZTA, I should say, and that's uh, New Zealand Transport, over offensive plate. Nutsacks, N-U-T-S-A-X, it says. The Auckland man has won his battle with the National Transport Agency to keep his personalised plate, Nutsacks, after the authority decided they must be forfeited after a complaint found them offensive. And New Zealand man's parents want death uh, death in Ukraine recognised as war crime. Uh, The parents of former Christchurch aid worker want their son's death in the Ukraine to be recognised as war crime. There's a bit of a repeat there, sorry about that. After the coroner found his colleague, who he he was with at the time, was unlawfully killed. Three homes, a church raised in North Canterbury scrum fires. Three homes and a church were lost in uh, the day before yesterday, it would have been, wouldn't it? What date was that? When did that come out? Are we getting down to the bottom of the barrel here? Saturday 20th, no, so that would have been on, um, oh, yeah, oh, that's a bit old, isn't it? Okay, never mind, sorry about that, sorry folks. Anyway, three homes were raised uh, to the ground, burnt to the ground, while firefighters were uh, continuing to battle and save buildings still under threat. I think that might be getting on a bit there. And, of course, New Year's is. Now we're getting down to the so-called white supremacist. I don't know if he really is, is he? I don't know. I don't know if he is. He might be. Uh, given, how, could you, how would you know? Because you can't always believe what you read on the page, can you? Philip Earps is his name. He's given jail after threatening ex-wife's partner. Christchurch white supremacist, they say, uh, has uh, been sentenced to 20 months in prison for threatening to kill his ex-wife's partner. There we are. That's the, that's the bottom of the barrel there. Let's move across to Radio New Zealand now. I'll be back in just a moment with news from RNZ. How many times has the UN... Oh, by the way, it's... Um, what is it now? You've quarter past. Quarter past five. How many times has the UN uh, General Assembly passed resolutions condemning Israel? Approximately. Uh, in the year 2022, there were 15 resolutions uh, on Israel. Uh, there was one on Iran, one on Syria, one on North Korea, and 15 on Israel. There have been hundreds over. Hundreds? Year. Yeah. Hundreds, hundreds yeah. And, and every year probably at least double digits, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And how many uh, against the Palestinian Authority? The Palestinian Authority is never condemned. At never? The nations. No. Mm, never condemned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. 16 past five. Good morning. And uh, let's look at RNZ. You can find them at rnz.co.nz. A pod of stranded 40 false killers. What was that? A pod of stranded 40 false killer, killer whales and dolphins euthanized. Why would they call them false? 
Is that what he's doing? Uh, must be either called yes. Forty false killer whales. What if they say that the killer whales? They don't always kill you, but they tell you what they kill other fish. Killer whales. They've been um, and bottlenose dolphins. They've been euthanized, been killed after becoming stranded again on a reef at Mahia Peninsula. That's the headlines. Memories from the Tangawai disaster. So they're copying the same stories, are they? Staff injured in Manukau aggravated robbery. Police are investigating after yet another violent robbery at the South Auckland service station. Masterton leads survey, or rather Sunday heatwave, with a 33 degree high. Uh, it's not the hottest. We're 10 degrees higher than that in 73. Masterton was the hottest in the land. Uh, but the scorching temperatures were felt throughout the country on Sunday. Wasn't that bad, for goodness sake, with most of the country in the high 20s. Normal for this time of the year, February. That's why people wait, or coming up to February anyway. That's why a lot of oldies wait until all you you youngies have got off the roads, and then they go out with their camper vans and go on a nice little holiday in February, where it's um a little bit a uh, little bit uh, less congested. Now, a man has been fatally shot in Palmerston North. A homicide investigation has been launched. Uh, the investigation's underway in Palmerston North after a man died from a gunshot wound on Saturday night. And four hospitalised after an incident in Cable Bay in the far north. Four people have been hospitalised after getting into difficulty in the water in the far north on Saturday. Taranaki GP practice network embrace physician associates. Mm. Physician associates under work under the supervision of a doctor, but see patients independently, so they're not proper doctors. Wellington Road closed due to a serious crash. One person is seriously injured following the two-vehicle crash in Wellington. Fatal Rangitiki, uh, is it Rangitiki? Rangitiki shooting sparked a homicide investigation. Is that the same one? I don't know. A man who died after being shot in Rangitiki. No, it's the same, I think. Homicide investigation. Lanes reopened at Auckland Southern Motorway. Expect delays, though. All lanes have been reopened on Auckland Southern Motorway after a crash, but drivers should expect delays from uh, north of Bombay. Racing pigs, rides and rural displays draw crowd at Kaikoui AMP show. Oh yes, it's the AMP season. Uh, season. What do we call the agricultural and... What's the P? Primary industries. Oh, I don't know. I, I should know. That's naughty. I should know. AMP. Now, what was it now? Oh, did I actually had that... I had that, just can't recall what that actually meant. But it's uh, basically just all, all the animals. Oh, you know, you've got all the, what, it's just far, farmers, people that sell to farmers, isn't it? And they also have the kids get out there with the sheep and the calves, calf day. I was never allowed a calf. I don't know why. I don't know. Probably because we didn't have them, but we had sheep. We had lambs. We had lots of um, lambs. We used to take a lamb. We had quite a nice little lamb there. What was in Snow White or something. Did quite well. I think I've got some ribbons and some... Certificates there somewhere hidden away, and uh, okay. So the most anticipated political uh, political race since last year's general election, a piglet named David Seymour <laughs> has been beaten, has beat has the, the beaten porker, the Jones the Jones boy, named in honour of New Zealand's first Shane Jones by the nose be, beaten by a nose. Oh, I see. I might have messed up that. The Jones boy. He beat David Seymour. Okay, or was it the other way around? Piglet named David Seymour has beaten. Okay, beaten jo- uh, Jonesy. Okay, that's good. And then they've got the um, people that um, were, it was like being in the movies, apparently. The baby boy born in Auckland Costco toilet. Um, wow, just one push. 
And you, I had a picture, you know, the little babies, they say, oh, look, any lovely, but they just, they look like little monkeys, don't they, when they're born, all little kids, no matter what their um, nationality is. Maori Film Festival, Taranaki, for first time. The Kariata Maori Showcase was presented, had presented a, a, a selection of documentaries, short films, and moving image artwork made by Maori filmmakers. There we are, very good. Impact of streaming service on local production, significant and so damaging, according to who's that, according to. Uh, we'll find out later. Uh, New Zealand TV and film producers have joined an international call to action against streaming services. I don't know why they pay their fees, don't they? Of course they do, and there's a uh, photos there with about with the um, the meeting at the Tuarangi Wawai Marae. About ten thousand people. They answered King um, the King's call, the Maori King, uh, to go to the what the Maori call a hui, which is a meeting. Um, and a small otter-like creature hiding in the South Island. Is there one? The sporadic sightings of an otter-like creature have been reported in the South Island, dating all the way back to Captain James Cook. And a warning over flooding, storm debris in Canterbury River. The police are urging the public to stay away from the Waimakariri Riverbed uh, following heavy rain on the west coast. And the best boss, Tiff, ends in a vicious group attack. A squabble over who worked for the best boss led to a vicious group attack outside an Invercargill pub, a court has heard. Homicide investigation launched after a man's body was found in the Waikato River. Homicide investigation. Uh, they found the man's body, and uh, yes, that was on uh, Friday. And uh, then what else have we got? Thousands of Woolworths staff may have been underpaid. Thousands of people at the supermarket uh, have, uh, I think it was Woolworths, yeah, Woolworths, last, the last nine years may have been underpaid, apparently. And a surge in international visitor numbers for 2023, new figures show. The number of international visitors rise, but still well below the pre-scandemic levels. The food prices are up another 4.8%, up uh, than a year ago, according to new figures from Statistics New Zealand. And there's been a call for a national wine museum, uh, the uh, Light Wine Read New Zealand First Ever Tasting Note, penned in 1840. Well, there's an audio. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Don't, am I making sense this morning? I don't think you are, Grant. No, you sound terrible. Okay, we have a cough. All right, that's good. 23 minutes past, and, uh, well, what should we do next? Well, let's have a look at News Hub. We'll do that. We'll be right back in a moment. Well, I've only been eating meat for beef, fundamentally, for almost five years now. I never imagined in my wildest dreams, number one, that you could just live on meat, and number two, that it would have such a salutary effect. So for me, I lost 52 pounds in seven months. I went from 212 pounds to 165, which is exactly what I weighed when I was 23. And I've maintained that weight since. I can put on muscle mass with no problem, even though I'm 62. And so, and I've talked to many people who've lost like 100 pounds in a year, you know, because they come to my talks and who are just beside themselves, so to speak, as a consequence of experimenting with this diet. So, well, so that's the story. That is the story. And, you know, that's been the story for me, but he's been on it for six years. That's Jordan Peterson. I've been on it for about, oh, not a year, be over just over six, nine, oh, nine months, ten months, coming up ten months now. And uh, I couldn't go back to eating. I mean, I still, I do have, I do cheat a bit. I mean, I have a bit of tomato sauce from time to time. I make my own sauce, though. I put that on my meatballs. 
Um, I do sometimes put a bit of a rub on the meat, you know. I love mince meat. And the reason why I like mince meat is because you can add your own fat when you're mincing it. I mince it myself, and I like mine fattier because fat is very important for us, absolutely important. And people say, oh, gosh, you know, your cholesterol, have you had your cholesterol measured? No, I don't have anything like that happen to me. I know my body. If I feel good, I feel, I'm, I'm great. And um, I have I, the only one thing I do check is, um, and I have done it. I had I actually had high blood pressure. Then when I went on the carnivore diet, my blood pressure came right down. I think it was um, one ten over seventy three or something like that. Pretty low for my age, getting up there. Uh, yeah. Now let's uh, look at um, New Zealand Herald. They've kindly the wonderful chap over there. His name's Murray Kirkness. He's the chief content officer for publishing. He says, "Hi, Grant." He said, I've got some stories for you. Can you read them out on the radio? I said, sure, sure. Hang on, I have to check with Digger. Yeah, that's all right. Go on, read them out. Okay, I will read them out. Let's see. We've got Auckland. They record the fifth hottest day, according to New Zealand Herald. Thunderstorm warning has been issued for Masterton. Um, rather, issued. And Masterton hits 33 degrees. Next week could bring uh, overnight temperatures in the single digits. Oh, so it might be going to get cold. They've been in the double digits, haven't they, up until then? And she was killed in front of me. A mum shares horror after daughter's driveway death. A mother uh, advocates speed bumps and slow down signs in shared driveways. No, people don't need signs. <laughs> We're not, not stupid. Just need to, uh, just yeah, just need to use common sense and don't go fast in areas where kids could run out. I mean, I think it's I blame the parents really. I think they just don't teach their kids, you know, warn them about the dangers of driving on the road. And police ignore emergency call an hour before family found dead. Norfolk police refer them, uh, themselves to the watchdog. Wow, they've referred themselves. That's good of, good of them. To the watchdog after responding to the second call. Uh, we might go and have a look at that story uh, over there. It's at Norfolk Island Police. And we'll look at that. Uh, I just better write that down, otherwise I won't. Will I? You're right if I have a cough. <clears throat> yeah, You're not supposed to do that on the radio. You're supposed to switch the microphone off. Yeah, but it's just too hard to switch the microphone off, Digger. Uh, just can't always do it, because sometimes I mean, I'm writing at the same time. How can I switch the microphone off when I'm writing? All right, so what we're doing, we're doing Norfolk, Norfolk Island. Don't forget to talk about that, Grant, because you do forget to talk about it, don't you? Yes, you do. So you write it down, then you won't forget. Okay, that's good. So that's uh, police ignore emergency call an hour before the family was found dead. Gosh, the whole family. We better definitely look at that in a moment. A moment of stupidity, one dead after a teen crushed by flipping ute in Murawai Beach. Two rescue helicopters have responded along with fire, ambulance and police. We better look at that one too. You better. You better. Why don't you just read it now? Well, I know. I'm just going to go over the headings. All right. Um, rugby star, stunning black clash. Catch? Oh, in rugby. There we are. It was one of the great rugby. That All, Black, all Blacks is rugby, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was one of the greatest catches New Zealand's ever seen, but it didn't count. Oh, no. Well, look at that one, too. Uh, it, uh, is my arm even on my body still? A young motorcyclist f uh, has um, uh, frightening realisation after the crash. A teen colleague teen colleague was uh, among first on the scene as volunteer fireman shares jokes with his hurt pal. And Blackfern, Tyler Nathan Wong's fairy tale wedding, rugby superstar and a new husband, Tupu, share their magical day. Um, he's going to be called a Costco baby. Mum gives birth in Auckland megastore. 
Thank God the toilet was not disgusting, the mum says, who delivered the Costco in the in the bathroom there. She didn't deliver Costco, she delivered the baby. Uh, in the yeah, the one and they and they look like monkeys, don't they? When they're born, little baby monkeys, little hairy things. Some of them come out hairy. Some of them, my, my one had a cone head. My first baby, um, my I didn't, I didn't deliver it. What about the men that hang? They say, oh, I like to be there, share the experience. Like heck, if you if you if you want to know what the experience is like, mate, just try passing a, a football. That's what it's like, you know, rugby ball. Uh, this one, my one, came out and looked like, oh, I can see it. It was cone head. Came out, but they soon straighten out, don't they? Uh, Uber driver, road user charges for EVs will cost me $100 a week. Well, good. You've ruined the taxi industry, haven't you, you naughty people, the Uber? I think that was terrible. They shouldn't have allowed Uber to come into the country. They've ruined uh, a wonder. One, taxi drivers, you know, some of the best in the world, and they're highly trained. These people are hopeless. You know, they rely on on uh, Blim and Google Maps and stuff like that. They don't really know their way around. But there's a lot more that a taxi driver can, a lot more that they can share with you too. So it's important to have, get in a proper taxi. I'm a bit annoyed about that. And I've got my friend Dennis Hall, who used to be a taxi driver in Wellington for many years. I might have a chat to him about Uber and see what he thinks about it. I won't ring him up now. It's a bit early, a bit early at half past five in the morning, isn't it? Oh, well. Now, we've got heavy delays on the Southern Motorway after a crash, closed lanes. We've got, and they're still saying this Waka, what is it? Waka Kotari. It's, um, what is it? New Zealand Transport said the delays at Auckland's southern motorway are due to the crash. Oh, surely that would be cleared by now. And the company, of course, must pay the work of 30,000. They've got, they all share the same stories. They haven't got any journalists. That's what it is. They've just got one set of journalists. They go out and tell all the stories and they share it amongst the papers. I might as well just pick the best paper, uh, or, you know, news organisation and just give you their stuff. So that's it from him. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Murray, Murray Kirkness. That's very good. Uh, let's, uh, moving right along now, should we go over to Sky News? Uh, because we take Sky News over the weekend and um, outside of the um, the breakfast program, The World at Five. Oh, I um, forgot to play me jingle. Where is my little jingle? Uh, the World at Five. Oh, you forgot all about it, Grant. Oh, you, you haven't got it. Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's very good. Chris, thank you, Chris, for that. You're an absolute pro, a real, really amazing you are. And he's he puts a lot of effort in too. Boy, I'll tell you what, and it, it didn't cost a lot of money. Uh, Chris is over in the UK, and um, wow, I mean, the, the research he did was quite phenomenal when you look at it and the way he put it all together and it didn't cost much but so he must he must have quite a production line going there very popular now uh so yes he's good he's a good man i'm good i like that english that british accent i say it's very good isn't it 29 minutes to seven a uh, six and 29 to six and we'll have some news from tnt radio at six let's move right along moving right along now to sky news and we'll check out the uh, the old Sky News and see what they've got up. The coalition no longer backing treaty in Victoria. Bipartisan support for a declared treaty in Victoria has eroded after the Victorian coalition U-turn uh, its position on the process of uh, to achieve a historic agreement. You Aussie listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this is home. Jacinta Price weighs in on the raging Australia Day debate. Shadow Indigenous Affairs Minister Jacinda Looks like Namping, Nampi, Nampi Jinpa Price. Oh, yeah, we could have missed that out, couldn't we? It's a bit of a tricky one there. I'm hopeless at this, aren't I? I used to be good. I got top mark rating New Zealand for uh, Maori pronunciation when I was there. 
but it's all just sort of gone out the window, hasn't it? Uh, but then, but that's not a Maori word. But still, you know, anything that's not out of the anything out of the normal way of struggle would be a wee bit. A campaigner Warren Mundane have backed the right of proud Australians to celebrate on the twenty sixth of January. So that must be coming up this week, or oh, it is a day that signifies the community inclusiveness of the nation. A multi million dollar investment frauds to targeted single women. Ooh, a man wanted for cheating budgeting investors out of oh, budding rather he wanted to cheat budding investors out of at least eight point if you read the stuff first you'd know, you wouldn't do make these mistakes oh, I haven't got time to read the stuff you know what do you want me to get up at three o'clock in the morning and read everything no not doing that eight point seven million dollars has turned his sign uh, sights on single women oh, have you vulnerable women. Uh, elderly man survives a fall off a cliff. The man in his 80s has been airlifted to hospital after he fell from a cliff in Victoria in the Yarra Valley. And crazed driver, having a bad day, tries to run over three firefighters. The driver is on the loose after he allegedly attempted to mow down three firefighters in the Whit Sundays because he was having a bad day. <laughs> Daniel Andrews, a trip to China, scrutinised after a new business venture. The documents have been filed, revealing that former Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, gosh, he was a half-wit, wasn't he? You flippin' communist half-wit, you. Um, uh, has established two companies, one a joint venture with his former multicultural affairs advisor, Marty Yeh, uh, May, I should say, Marty May, and severe tropical cyclone to cross the coast between Townsville and Mackay. A severe cyclone is predicted to cross the coast. Uh, on Thursday, bringing with it damaging gales, big waves and storm surge, heavy rainfall, uh, according to Sky News Australia, the meteorologist, her name is Alison Osborne. And uh, they're live right now, and if you can pick up, this is Sky News Australia, you can get find them at skynews.com.au, and if you get the app, you can stream now, and you're looking at it, and we're looking at, um, we're looking, we're over there in Gaza, and we're looking at people reporting back from the violence in Gaza right now. It looks like she's pretty wild. But, of course, all the film coming out of Gaza comes from the terrorists because there's no proper journalism there. Paul Murray, uh, the lead-up to the Australian Day, sees plenty of stupid stuff coming from negotiations. So let's um, whip over to skynews.com.au and we'll have a listen to, um, to Paul Murray. Uh, he is. Uh, this is uh, tonight's, uh, last night's episode of Sky News. The host is Paul Murray. He discusses the Australia Day debate, Labor's cost of living issues, everyday drinkers, United States policies, and more. And so let's move across now and pick that feed up. Organisation in between now and then. Yeah. Oh. And of course, this week is all about everyone going to their corners about our National Day. The conversation, as always, about Australia Day. We love it. They hate it. But, of course, many an organisation in between, now and then, well, they've got plenty to say. Wait till I tell you some of the stupid stuff that's coming this Australia Day. Now, the reality is, is that for most people, of course, they'll enjoy the public holiday. For many people of lots of different cultural back, uh, backgrounds, they will do something in and around the Australian flag. Awesome. But I love this idea that seems to float around the left, that unless you have the tattoo on your cheek, somehow you're anti-Australia Day. Well, garbage. We've got on of the course, it's an here. opportunity for us to celebrate the greatest country in the world for whatever reason you think it's the greatest country in the world, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But the same people who say that Australia Day on the 26th is problematic and terrible at Invasion Day, do you reckon they've got a better opinion about July 21st? No. It's about a national day that they don't want us to have. We'll bugger them. But, sadly, one of the great sports that so bugger much of them. us have loved over the years, the Australian cricket team, well, they are part of the brigade that are so brave to take on the rest of the world, but so afraid to mark a national day because of what many people say is the cultural difficulties of the day. Now, there is a chance that the Windies could go in two days, but most likely they're going to get another couple of days out of them when they play them at the uh, Gabba in Brisbane. Now, the test starts on Thursday. On Friday will be the second day, which means even as bad as the Windies are, they're going to have to deal with <laughs> playing on the 26th of January, a.k.a. Australia Day. But Cricket Australia has been in a rather woke place for a current period of time and under its current leadership of Mike Baird and the rest of what used to be called the Cricket Board, it is well and truly in woke world. <laughs> so we learned today via the Courier Mail that Cricket Australia is making a decision that on the day of Australia Day, they will play a game on Australia Day. They're OK if you wave a flag in the stands on Australia Day, but they won't mention Australia Day. From the Courier Mail. Australia Day itself will be marked at the Gabba in passing by the ground announcer. So in between, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure that you go to the toilets. They're located on the left, the right. Don't forget to buy your merchandise down the back. P.S. It's a day in a calendar. That's what they're going to do. Cricket Australia is set to acknowledge that the day means vastly different things to different people, which, of course, is code for they don't want a national day to be proud of a national sporting body that has been beloved by a nation is not allowed to have a day where that nation is allowed to back itself in. Cricket Australia... You know, I've got to say, I've got to say that really all this is... all It's all about... It's basically just the Australia has been infiltrated by a bunch of communists and that's all part of the denigration. It's the war on the West and that's what Douglas Murray talks about in his book, The War on the West. You can buy that on Amazon. It's just uh, the, everything, everything great about the West. The, comment, the communist, well, the globalists, really, it's the globalists that are doing this. They must destroy our systems. And um, European and British greatness must come down, must be, must be dismantled so they can rebuild it. This be, be, so the communists are behind this, in my opinion. Australia is keen to promote inclusivity and respect from patrons regardless of their view on the date itself, which is widely viewed as a day of mourning by First Nations people. The term Australia Day will not be used. So, Cricket Australia, yet another major organisation that you see, this is how it works. To avoid a pylon on Twitter, the same small group of people who listen to Radio National in the morning and sit there on The Guardian all day and complain about sponsors and who you sponsor all day. It's the same group of people. Gosh, they choose good. not to say Australia Day on Australia Day. Now, I get it. The reenactment of the tall ships in 1988, probably tone deaf. In fact, definitely tone deaf. But the idea that happy Australia Day, go Australia Day, how good is Australia Day? On the day where it's actually being marked and there's tens of thousands of people who come from all parts of Brisbane, Queensland or the country who all no doubt to a person amongst them think this joint is great, 
compared to the rest of the world, well, do not celebrate it because it is offensive to the same group of trolls who scream on the internet. Now, of course, for those that are about to run off to the umpire, I'm not saying that about the Indigenous peoples of Australia. Because, you see, their attitude is just as diverse as any other attitude. You see, there's this place called Alice Springs that I know you don't want to talk about every now and then over there in Wokeland, but it's a place that's got its own government. Its own government is called the uh, Alice Springs Council. And guess what they do on Australia Day? They celebrate Australia Day. And then there's the capital of this place called the Northern Territory. You know, the place with Kakadu. And that too has a local council and Darwin City Council celebrates Australia Day. So forgive me if I don't take my moral lessons from the modern people who run Australian cricket. The people who trade off the nostalgia of the jingoism and patriotism from the 1970s. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. That they're still doing in the 2020s. And then tell me the day for Aussies to celebrate their nation can't be mentioned. There we are. That is Paul Murray, and uh, I thought you'd enjoy that. So we will um, go back to, uh, we're still over at skynews.com.au. And uh, what else have we got? The Albanese government, they're failing to support a, a morally correct platform on the Hamas attack, according to some people. Now, I wonder who's reporting on that. I don't think that's Paul Murray. That will be someone else. We're a bit slow this morning. Yes, it says here Albanese government centre senior fellow Nick Cater. He's criticised the Albanese government for failing to support a morally correct platform on, on the Hamas attack through its refusal to call the massacre an overseas terrorist attack. Albanese government is, ref- is refusing to call Hamas massacre of 1,200 people an overseas terrorist act, thereby denying friends and family and the victims any financial assistance here in Australia. The failure to make the declaration 100 days on means Australian Jews who lost loved ones in the Israeli attack are not eligible fi- for financial assistance through the victim. Uh, of terrorism overseas payment scheme under the Social Security Act. Uh, He says he's not very happy. He said, I'm sporting the Israeli flag here and I will continue to do so until the Albanese government shows it can adopt a correct and morally correct platform on this, according to uh, the senior, uh, that's Menzies Research Senior, um, that's the Research Centre Senior Fellow Nick Cater. And uh, so who have we got talking about that? I'm not sure who it is. Let's have a listen to that. Joining me now to go over the day's top stories is Nick Cater of the Menzies Research Centre. Nick, the Albanese government is refusing to call Hamas's massacre of 1,200 Israeli men, women and children an overseas terrorist act, thereby denying friends and families of the victims any financial assistance here in Australia. It's been over 100 days since the animalistic slaughter of Jewish lives at the hands of an internationally recognised terror group. Uh, Nick, how on earth can the Albanese government justify this? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Liz. This is an international terror group 
creating what, committing what is undoubtedly acts of terrorism on a civilian population, acts of gross terrorism, the sort of the likes of which I can't ever recall seeing, and certainly, which you know, as we know, it's the worst atrocity to be committed to the Jewish people since World War Two. So it's undoubtedly a terrorist uh, attack, and why? Why Albanese can't bring himself to do so? Well, there are two reasons. He's beholden to two groups of people. One is the the wacky far left, amongst whom anti-Semitism has bizarrely become uh, fashionable. And and it's the same here in New Zealand. We've got them. We've got the Mintos of the world, the professional. Um, I think he, gosh, I think he stayed at university for about twenty years. The other group uh, are the Islamic uh, constituents in. Labour electorates. Eleven Labour electorates have a, a Muslim population larger than 10%. Now, they're not all, and a lot of Muslim people would be as appalled as you and I are at this, but the Albanese government, nonetheless, I think, feels it has to pander to these people for, for just base political gains. It, it is terrible to surrender. I wouldn't be so sure that a lot of Muslim people actually uh, are shocked as well. In fact, a lot of them just are very quiet about it, but secretly they are supporting the terrorists. Their Australian policy to those forces, and worse still, to lose your moral compass in doing so. Hear, hear. And this failure to make the declaration a hundred days on means Australian Jews who lost loved ones in the in the attack are not eligible for any financial assistance which they would otherwise get through the Victim of Terrorism Overseas Payment Scheme. So there are real-world consequences to this inaction, Nick, and we know that it's it's not a case of ignorance because Andrew Hastie, member for Canning, wrote to them days ago bringing this to their attention because one such family were in his electorate and in dire need of said financial assistance. Well, that, that's right, Liz, and I'd, I'd just like to use this platform to say that although the, the government is failing to support Israel and failing to support the Jewish population in Australia in the proper way, uh, many, many individual Australians are. I'm sporting the Israeli flag here and I'll continue to do so on Sky News until the Albanese government shows that it can actually uh, adopt a correct and morally correct platform on this. You're quite right, Nick. I keep saying if they are shilling for votes in Western Sydney and other seats, as they seem to be doing through this inaction and others calling for ceasefire, etc. and so on, they're forgetting that there are millions of righteous Gentiles in this country who are taking notes and will make them pay at the election yeah. box. Well, 17 people were evacuated last night from a North Bondi unit block after yet another e-bike exploded. Nick, how many times do we have to see these lithium-ion batteries uh, blow up in people's faces? It's incredibly unsafe. You can't put the fire out for days due to the nat nature of the battery. How, how much more needs to happen before our government takes any action? Unfortunately, there's this kind of ideological fixation on electric vehicles that'll be very hard to break. You know, having decided that these are the answer to all our climate problems, just to trade in our, our decent diesel or petrol vehicles for electric vehicles, will solve everything. And the government putting incentives there to ha make it happen. Other governments in other parts of the world mandating that you move to electric cars. 
they are not they are very imperfect technology and the the internal combustion engine and the diesel engine have been more than 120 years in development right, to get to where we are mm. now a safe very safe very very efficient way of propelling a vehicle along mm. electric vehicles have just begun and lithium-ion batteries well I've got a fridge in the back of my Hilux and, and I had to put in a second battery for that. It's a lithium-ion battery, but I, I was not going to put it under the bonnet. You know, people tell me that's really dangerous. So, you know, we have to be aware of these real dangers from lithium-ion batteries and act accordingly. And uh, unfortunately, government policy is driving people towards this unsafe technology. That's, um, that he's from the... Um, where is he from? He's from the Menzies Research Centre there, Nick Cater. Okay, let's uh, move right back now to, we're still with uh, skynews.com.au and uh, so crazy, US journalists called out over self-censorship and the uh, Trump-Iowa uh, fiasco we had there, so we'll go to that story. American journalists are self-censoring the upcoming US election and to anyone who values the freedom of debate and discourse, it should infuriate you. It is no secret that many journalists dislike Donald Trump. Many of them essentially accused him of being a Russian plant for several years until that conspiracy was debunked. And now these so-called journalists wonder why the trust between them and their viewers has dissipated. Trump won the Iowa Republican caucus this week, beating Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, with many major news networks refusing to then air his victory speech. They are just pretending like it never happened, and the clear frontrunner does not exist. Now, this is how MSNBC's Rachel Maddow justified the editorial call at her network. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. All right, let's break down what Maddow was saying here. They are openly censoring the front runner of a presidential election so that you cannot even hear what he has to say. That's just so crazy. It treats the audience with contempt, but even worse, it creates a chasm of division between people who support Trump and those who don't. Because if Trump is so extreme that he cannot be aired on television, then what does that make you if you endorse him? Well, Maddow has some thoughts on Trump supporters as well. Once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leaders interchangeable. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm -hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm -hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm -hmm. They are pushing Trump That's to yeah. get more and more right. extreme because the more extreme things he says, the more they, the like more they adhere and to him. That, yeah. and, and that is coming from the, a very large proportion of the American right that adheres to the Republican Party. And that's why this is a Republican Party problem more than it is the problem mm -hmm. of one man and his and we, and we Now, ironically, the person crying about the dangers of authoritarianism is actually talking in an extremely authoritarian manner. These people are not journalists, and the public is waking up to their games.
Now, Darren, when have journalists traditionally ever had to agree with every proposition put forward by a candidate to give him a platform? As matter is, this is we're in unprecedented times. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I mean, <clears throat> that, that piece there that you ran from MSC, MSNBC, I mean, first of all, it struck me, it's just so self-important. <laughs> um, and this is from a network that I think that they are the, the, the poorest rating of the cable television news networks. And it, it's kind of that kind of editorialising that's put them in such a poor position with, with viewers. Um, I mean, Trump in the last uh, presidential election got more votes, other than Biden, the victor, than anyone's ever attracted in any presidential election. So there's a, an enormous amount of Americans that, that supported him back then. And obviously, as we're seeing from Iowa, continue to support him. Um, and the, the actual victory speech by Trump that they didn't run was actually quite noteworthy because it was quite restrained, measured, um, gracious. It was complimentary of his opponents, which is a marked departure from the way that he's been conducting himself um, in the past. And he's obviously learn from some mistakes that he's made. Um, I think the other point to make as well is that um, they clearly loathe him, and so does Biden and the de Democrats and their, and their friends in some parts of the media, but they actually make a Trump nomination more possible by, by doing that. People don't like it. Um, and, and it allows him to play this martyr for the cause um, role that he kind of plays now on the stumps. And, um, and that makes it a lot more difficult for people like DeSantis and Haley to break through. Um, so it's not really, the, if the purpose is to try and you know, suppress him, yeah. smother him and silence him, they, the, the outcome is actually the opposite. They completely strengthen his case. And, and Christy, it's not some secret conspiracy. There is a public coordinated conspiracy to stop him from talking. And that's going to play very favorably to Trump. And I don't see how these hosts can't put that puzzle together and understand what the, the natural reaction to censorship is going to be. One, uh, self-importance and uh, <laughs> self-preservation uh, uh, of their own opinion uh, and their own opportunity to editorialise about how much they don't like Trump. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump. Uh, my personal view is uh, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Uh, I wouldn't listen to a speech he made. However, he looks to be going to be the Republican nominee. You should li be listening to the speeches he makes because if you did, your opinion of him would change. And even if he's not, he was the victor uh, at this uh, caucus event. Uh, therefore, in the interest of reporting what is happening and what's going on in the election, that speech needed to be broadcast. Now, you don't have to like it. You can comment on it, uh, mm. but you should not... Sense uh, or a broadcast of the victor who's won a significantly important political event. Uh, that is just disgraceful. Exactly. And that to Darren's anti -journalism. point, to Darren's point, it was quite restrained. So how are they guessing what he's going to say? <laughs> They've got some <laughs> magical powers where they can see the future and anticipate that what he's going to say is so violative yep. that it can't be broadcast. That's that's an absurd proposition. But the other point is, why mm. wouldn't you just fact check it? I mean, you're letting him yeah. say whatever he wants in a vacuum. And if you are the self-professed arbiter of truth, as a yeah. lot of these people think they are, it's an opportunity to get the facts out there. Pretending he doesn't exist is just is just simply insane. It's lazy. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> They're just doing their, their, mm. their job. And, you know, he may not win in New Hampshire. They have a, a track record of rejecting Iowa's chosen candidate. But... Um, still possible, though it's a long shot that he won't be the chosen nominee, so it's crazy that they're ignoring him. He's a major news event now, and um, he got more than half the votes, so...
they're ignoring a significant amount of TV viewers. And we'll see what happens. We took the speech in full here at Sky News and we'll keep doing so because Tanot is crazy. But now on to another crazy situation. But first up, though, as I have been promoting during the week with our new show on a Friday, uh, afternoons and early evenings are a favourite time for our politicians to bury bad news, to sneak out a media release they hope will escape our attention or miss the Saturday morning newspapers. Indeed, I had a phone call this week from a very senior former cabinet minister who saw our promo this week and laughed at our observation. He also confessed, by the way, to having done that very thing a few times himself. I won't name him. Fridays is also a time for reflection on the news events of the week and what are shaping up as the key, key political events likely to unfold in the week ahead. Now, you'd have to say, and I think everyone would agree, 2024 is going to be a huge year in politics. It will start with a federal by-election in the Melbourne seat of Dunkley. We learned today that that will be held on Saturday the 2nd of March. Labor is expected to retain Dunkley with the tragic passing of the former member and popular local politician Peter Murphy. But it was a coalition seat up until 2019 and based around the southeastern suburb of Frankston. I can tell you cost of living will be the huge issue there. This is going to be a massive litmus test for both the Prime Minister and for Peter Dutton. It'll be a blow for one of them and a confidence boost for the other. Now, outside of politics on Fridays, we have some great new regulars to bring a fresh perspective to your end of the week, starting tonight with the best connected crime reporter in New South Wales, The Daily Telegraph's Mark Morey. He'll join us tonight and he joins the team on a regular basis. Now, I spoke to Mark earlier today before the news broke that the corrupt former Sydney detective Roger Rogerson was on death's door. We're told life support was switched off today by his family following a brain aneurysm that he suffered in jail last night. Rogerson was serving life for the murder of an Asian student, Jamie Gow, in 2014. I'll talk to Mark next week about the Rogerson that he knew. But tonight, Mark tells us Sydney is awash with crime gangs dealing cocaine, and he explains how contract killers can earn more than a million dollars for a successful hit on a target. It's a world most of us know nothing about. Former Queensland Premier Campbell Newman also joins us as a regular, joins the team, and who better to analyse politics in the Sunshine State in an election year? While down south in Victoria, with the state struggling to recover after the mess left by former Premier Daniel Andrews, we have on board the Libs' Sam Groth, who joined us in the studio. Now, Sam is a, stu is a shadow spokesman on youth, tourism and sport. Well, we have a youth crime problem here. We're in the grip of a youth crime emergency, so I'll talk to Sam about that. Melbourne CBD is turning tourists away at an alarming rate, and the Australian Open is refusing to recognise Australia Day. So who better to have on board? I'll talk to Sam shortly. And in coming weeks, Australia's podcast investigator and a OK, we're going to leave him there, and we'll move to TNT Radio News. TNT Radio News. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, I'm Matt Boyland. After weeks of taunting congressional leaders and crying foul to the press, the US President's son, Hunter Biden, will testify in private next month as part of the Republican-led House's impeachment investigation into his father. The House Oversight Committee announcing Thursday that following negotiations with Hunter's lawyers, the first son had reluctantly agreed to sit for a closed-door deposition on the 28th of February, ending a month-long standoff. In exchange, House Republicans suspended their efforts to hold the President's son in contempt of Congress for refusing to comply with a subpoena that had been issued back in November. 
In a spectacular made-for-TV spectacle, the 53-year-old instead staged a dramatic press conference outside of the Capitol, demanding he be allowed to testify publicly. He also crashed his own contempt of Congress hearing earlier this month. The showdown coming as it's revealed the First Son is filming a top-secret documentary to set the record straight about his financial woes and addiction to crack cocaine. Meanwhile, after years of dismissing the Hunter Biden laptop story as Russian disinformation, the US Justice Department once again confirmed this week that the computer is in fact very real and they have it. In a new court filing on Tuesday, the DOJ confirmed the president's son had left his Apple MacBook Pro at a computer repair store and that the contents of the laptop matched what investigators retrieved from his iCloud backups. But for years, the media, Democrats, the intelligence community and the president himself have tried dismissing the story as part of a smear campaign headed by former President Trump and Russia. Every serious investigator has pointed out that this is a smear. This is classic Trump. We have four days left and all of a sudden there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that, hear you, from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. I mean, look, this is my son's an honorable man. There was a broad range of Russian disinformation back in 2020. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media. Also this week, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu confirmed he is seeking to erase Palestine as we know it from the map vowing on Thursday to seize control of the entire region from the river to the sea once the war ends. For 30 years, I am very consistent and I'm saying something very simple. This conflict is not on the lack of a state of Palestinian, but the existence of a state, the Jewish state. And therefore, I clarify that in other arrangements, any other arrangement, in the future, the state of Israel have to control on the entire area from the river to the uh, sea. The Israeli Prime Minister going on to infer he had rejected alternative proposals from Washington. A prime minister in Israel has to be able to say no, even to the best of friends, to say no when you need to and to say yes when you can. Meanwhile, the European Parliament passed a resolution this week calling for a ceasefire and expedited humanitarian aid in Gaza. The resolution coming more than 100 days after Israel invaded the besieged territory, killing over 24,000 Palestinians and wounding tens of thousands more. And US Congress passed a short-term funding bill this week, preventing a government shutdown until at least March. This has been Matt Boyland with your weekend news brief. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. Four minutes past six. Good morning to you. Let's check out the weather. The extremes, first of all, Napier 22.1 degrees, Twizel 10.7. Wellington Lyle Bay is now the windiest with 22 kilometres of wind per hour and the wettest place is Gisborne with 3.3 millimetres. The temperatures right across the country, Stewart Island 13, Invercargill 14, Chatham Islands 19, Dunedin 16 along with Timaru, Christchurch 17 degrees, 18 in Blenheim. 
at 14 degrees in Queenstown, France Joseph's on 17, Westport 19 and Nelson 20. Wellington also 20, Masterton 19, Napier 22 degrees, Palmerston North 20, New Plymouth is also 20, Rotorua and Tapo are both on 19 degrees, Tauranga has 20, Auckland 21 along with uh, Wangarei and Kaitaia as well. The short forecast for all New Zealand, valid until midnight tonight for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty. Isolated showers turning to rain in the Bay of Plenty and Coromandel for a time this morning, clearing in the evening. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain spreading south this morning and then heavy falls for Gisborne, clearing in the evening. Waitomo to Wellington, including the central high country. Also for Wairarapa, Marlborough and Nelson and also Buller. Fine spells, isolated showers, mainly in the afternoon and in the evening with possible thunderstorms and localised downpours inland. For Westland and Fiordland, showers with some heavy and possibly thundery morning and evening. Canterbury, scattered rain in the morning. Uh, you've got uh, followed by isolated showers later in the afternoon with some possibly heavy and then clearing in the evening. For Otago to Southland and you, you've got, your and Southland I should say, cloudy periods with isolated showers. You've got late rain for Western Southland and Stewart Island. In the Chatham Islands, cloudy periods with drizzle early morning and then you've got rain. We won't worry about the extended forecasts and uh, I'll be back with you in uh, just a moment with uh, what's what else is happening on the New Zealand newspapers. It's six minutes past Six. Edwards, 88.1 FM, the wireless. Now I had Ricky Gervais there. Uh, I was going to play him for you, but I've seemed to have lost Ricky. Where are you, Ricky? Here he is. How and- arrogant are you to think that you deserve to go through life with no one ever saying anything that you don't agree with or like? Um, yeah, but you shouldn't hurt people's feelings. Well, you can if their feelings are wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Get, if, yeah. If you don't like the facts, get. Yeah, don't yeah. change the facts, change the feelings. Yeah. I, I want people to stop saying that joke's offensive. Yeah. I want them to start saying, I found it offensive. Because you've got to own the emotion. Because that's all it is. You're yeah. just telling me how you feel about it. Yeah. Now, we've got the government hitting back, and it's 7 past 6 too, by the way. Uh, government MPs hit back after the moan session. Uh, apparently the moan session hui they call it it's the Maori meeting and uh, they say that they're putting Kiwi before Iwi let's see uh, members of the coalition government have hit back following concerns raised at the national meeting at the Tūrangi Waiwai Marae on Saturday 10,000 people attended the hui worried about the new government's policies concerning Maori health Maori language which they call Tūreo now and the Treaty of Waitangi Act leader David Seymour was at the Auckland Festival on Sunday afternoon celebrating the opening of a temple in India. On Saturday at the um, Hui, uh, the meeting, a Maori meeting of the at the Tūrangi Waiwai Mariting. Um, oh, Mariting, that's a new word. Um, they've already said that, repeated it. When we know it's 10,000 people. 10,000 Maori gathered to express frustration over the new government policies. However, Seymour was nowhere to be seen. Well, they told me, why, why should they be? They've got other things, more important things to be doing. Basically, because you don't have to go to every single event that happens in New Zealand, he explains to News Hub. Uh, and we are at News Hub. You can find them at newshub.co.nz. Seymour said the new government is trying to unify New Zealand. He said, I'm sick and tired of people being categorised by questions like News Hubs right now. Do I think Mari are happy? He said. There's no answer to that because actually there, there's about three quarters of a million people who are quite capable of thinking for themselves and don't need to be categorised by race. 
at the meeting, uh, the Māori meeting, to voice their affairs, uh, the affairs rather, over the coalition government's Māori policies. Ten thousand. Oh, he said it again. Ten thousand people turned up, and then he says, "So ten thousand people. What exactly is that? Zero point zero two percent of New Zealand population." Seymour uh, asked. Yeah, we're promoting a modern, multi-ethnic, liberal, democratic country where everyone, non-Christian of course, uh, where everyone uh, has the same rights and duties. Maori health advocate, her name is Lady Tūrititi Moxon, uh, she filed an urgent claim with the Waitangi Tribunal concerned about the plans to scrap Maori health authority of course you should, because who pays for it? Well, we, everyone else, all the other New Zealanders, the Kiwis pay for it. We pay for all the iwi stuff. Now, the Waitangi Tribunal has granted an application for an urgent inquiry. Lady Tureti, she plans, her plan, she said, plans for the Maori Health Authority have been run away for almost 20 years since 2005. She said, we finally get there, and just in one foul swoop, this government wants to get rid of it. Well, that's because the people of New Zealand voted for this government and they voted for those policies. They don't want your Maori Health Authority. In a statement to News Hub, Health Minister Dr Shane Retty, he said, we're aware of a statement of claim that's been lodged with the Waitangi Tribunal. Uh, as this is an active claim, we're unable to comment. Oh, I'm not going to comment. So New Zealand First MP Shane Jones originally described the hui as a momental momental. Uh, moan session. He said, I definitely didn't get the volume of people correct about the content of the kōrero. That's some, what's that? I don't think, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I was too far off the mark, according to Shane Retty. He believes the new government is trying to take the whole country forward. He said, I'm deeply saddened by the description of, the, um, of our government as a vessel of white supremacy. The government is focused on interests of every single Kiwi rather than every single Iwi. Good on you, Shane Jones. Jones said there is no scope whatsoever for separatism in our flourishing, integrated New Zealand. We need to have an Iwi leadership step away from the inflammatory language of white supremacy and other offensive remarks. But Lady Turiti, she wants Māori to have, we want our own solutions. Well, you can't. You're a Kiwi. You're a New Zealander. And you can't have your own solutions. Because you're one of us, and that's what um, Dame Fina Cooper said. We are one people. That's what Rob Muldoon said, the greatest Prime Minister New Zealand's ever had. We are one people. And all that bullshit from the left uh, about how he tried to destroy the economy, that was just rubbish. That was absolute rubbish to get him out in 1984. So he was a good Prime Minister, and I think we need someone like him now. I'm not that happy with Chris Luxon. I think he's a bit weak at the knees. In dealing with these people, but um, I'm happy with what Shane Jones said. Very happy indeed. Okay, so that's that wee story there from News Hub, and um, we've got one dead, two seriously injured after a vehicle rolls on the west coast of Murawai Beach. Better check out that wee story. Uh, one person dead. Yeah, the police say that they were alerted about uh, half past two on Sunday night to the incident at the beach, which only reopened to vehicles this week. Oh, they're going to try and stop us driving on the beach. That's what they're going to do. Witnesses told the New Zealand Herald a ute had been doing burnouts on the beach with a girl in the back before the accident. We came across the accident scene and a fireman told us a girl had been killed. We saw her body lying outside of the ute just near a tyre, one told News Hub. 
and also told the New Zealand Herald, I should say. A police spokesman said the serious crash unit is attending the investigation into the cause of the crash. It's ongoing. So that's sad news there for that family. And uh, we've got festivals. A full bus was affected, according to St John's. They were called after multiple teens faint in extreme heat. Oh, rubbish. Extreme heat. They're probably on drugs. That was on a, what they call it, sound splash on the bus. And uh, pregnancy, that's the, um, the girl that had the baby in the toilet at Costco. She said the Auckland mother, she praised the Costco staff after the unexpected birth of her baby in the store. And there's uh, a video of the large pod of killer whale. They call them false killer whales. That's just a new thing they've started doing. They've been stranded at Hawke's Bay. They've been euthanized, I think, by the sound of it. A major feat of engineering. Over a 1,000 people walk across partially built Mangawatu Taurua Highway. That's all new, is it? And a dash cam video captures a shocking moment. A car flips after two vehicles collide on Auckland Motorway. And no happy memories. Survivors, first responders of the Tangiwai disaster, which happened uh, Christmas time, Christmas Eve, 1953. Um, that's the 70th anniversary of that. Nazis out protests across Germany over the far-right party's mass deportation plan. And in rugby, a, fest, a fresh start for Tuapaya. He relishes uh, Super Rugby, the return after missing Chiefs in 2023, their success. It's uh, 14 minutes past six. Latest news, major feat of engineering, we've got that. That's uh, 1,000 people cross over that uh, highway in Tararua. That's the uh, Manawatu Tararua Highway. And, uh, yeah, so that is it. They don't, don't seem to be at work this morning, not yet. Need to get there early. They should have a night cruise, shouldn't they? So I've got something to talk about. And uh, what else have we got happening here? We'll move over to stuff, shall we? Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, the feud that split a popular coastal walkway in two, a popular summer walkway, was torn in two by a decade-long battle between property owners and the council. We'll get a quick look at that, I suppose, if you're interested. Looks like a lovely spot. There, it does look nice. Auckland local Cherry Lynn. She's 50, or he, I don't know, he or she. Sherry. Or could be Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is Sherry. Uh, they wander along the Takapuna Milford uh, Walk, the walkway, every week with her friends. She walked past the jagged lava rock. Oh, blah, blah. Okay, so what's going on? Let's get to the bottom of this. Section of the walk was closed on September 29th when a decade long battle between the property owners and the Auckland Council reached a deadlock. As it centred around a seaside cottage with heritage status. Uh huh. Managed retreat, is it? Uh, maybe. The owners offered to give part of the property to Auckland Council to be used as a walkway, according to their lawyers and representative, Alex uh, Rittenhunner. Uh, this came with several conditions, including that the council apply the removal of the home's heritage A status so that the rest of the property could be sold without restrictions. While protected, it cannot be knocked down. Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown said council was being held at ransom, a claim written Hannah strongly refuted. They, the owners, are sitting on several million dollars worth of land, which is clearly what they want to get their hands on, Brown said. So that's Brown. I'm a bit surprised at that coming from him. They've offered some of it for, for the council, to the council, and they're not allowed to do what they want with it. I mean, they own the flipping thing, don't they? So they're not able to see I and I, Auckland, I to I, I should say, Auckland Council, they handed 
the ball to the local board to come up with a solution. Now they're back to square one, said Takapuna Devonport local board chair, Tony Van Tonder. Uh, he said, we're just going to start from scratch, uh, that she said. Some, some options will be ruled out. Some options will be investigated further. The feud dates back to 2012 when a storm destroyed the bridge that let walkers circle the cottage. With the bridge gone, the property's late owner, Paul Firth, allowed people to cut through his garden. A year later, his house was given a heritage listing. Oh, I see. That's not so good. We don't, you don't want that, do you, if you're, if you're a homeowner? It's not clear whether Firth supports this change, but years of conflict followed. There have been failed attempts to sell the property to the council, debates over uh, creating an easement, quarrels over unpaid rates, and finally, the demand to remove the cottage heritage listing altogether. It's a long story for a local board to trawl through, but uh, they, they're having it. There's a video on it. I wonder, let's see if, see if it'll play. No, there's no, no voice. It's just... Um, yeah, no voiceover, so we won't be playing that. Okay, let's move back to stuff, see what else they've got on the um, on the boil for the uh, front page. Let's get to the top of this thing. Here we are. Severe thunderstorm watches for, uh, for parts of the central North Island. Wellington, Hawke's Bay and other regions in the North Island are under severe storm watches, thunderstorm watches, as localised downpours could bring fresh flooding. Uh, the latest, uh, we won't talk about that, oh, well we shouldn't, oh, okay, well according to the, the terrorist, the Muslim terrorist in Gaza, the latest death toll is beyond 25,000, so does that mean that it's a bad war? Does that mean that the Israelis are in the wrong? No, I mean there were more Germans killed during the Second World War than were English, does that mean that the English were wrong to defend themselves against Nazi invasion? I don't think so. Uh, reopening oil and gas exploration could be a treaty breach, uh, uh, well who cares? Just breach it. A two-year-old request from uh, Taranaki Iwi, that's tribe, it could prove awkward for the government's plan to reopen oil and gas exploration. And these are the headlines. A ghost town forces popular shop to close after 30 years. Tauranga locals say the shop's closure is the end of an era and ongoing construction, roadworks and parking issues plague the city, as they do, I should say. Uh, he won $5,800 gambling online, but sites wouldn't pay up. Why not? Why wouldn't they pay up? Oh, we better click on it and find out. Let's do that. Uh, Sam Townsend, he won $2,000 gambling online in late October, but when he went to withdraw his winnings, the site refused to pay up. A few days later, he won $3,800 on a site operated by the same Malta-based... Oh, I don't know if I'd be bothered putting any money into that if you didn't get the first payout. Uh, Malta-based uh, company. Again, the New Plymouth man's withdrawal was refused, with the operating stating... Uh, with the oper operator stating Townsend had acted against the site's terms and conditions. We do apologise for any inconvenience and disappointment, and we invite you to continue to play on our side. <laughs> We're not going to give you any money, wrote the operator. Townsend disagreed, and after multiple emails back and forth, he was given a $100 withdrawal. That's not very much. Associate Professor Maria uh, Bellringer, uh, as a Director of AUT's Gambling and Addiction Service Centre, she says the $100 could be just one tactic used by the operator to keep towns and uh, to keep towns in gambling. Another is to delay paying out prize money. Uh, in the meantime, players gamble away the winnings. Bellringer said, uh, "Many of the thousands of online gambling websites are predatory and unscrupulous." She said, "They're set up to make money. They don't care about people uh, who are gambling." 
He's probably quite right. In New Zealand, the only uh, only Lotto New Zealand and the TAB are allowed to offer online gambling, while the only restriction of on on offshore operation is that they don't advertise here. So they're not allowed to advertise, but they're certainly allowed to to do it. But according to Sky Chief Sec, uh, Chief Executive Michael Ahern, that too is being flouted. Sky City operates an online casino that is also based in Malta, a favourite location for online gambling, probably because there's no tax. Yeah, operators due to the tax breaks. But in October, Ahern warned that other online gambling sites were trying to lure customers uh, by mimicking Sky City's name, logo, and look. Although overseas gambling sites are not allowed to advertise here, fraudulent sites have advertised on social media and tricked users into thinking that they're playing on Sky City's online casino, according to Ahern. Regulations need to be given the power to deal with, or regulators need to be given the power to deal with rogue operators who are out of scam, out to scam New Zealanders. Bellringer said overseas operators see the country as an easy touch. Yeah, they do. Uh, where they find gamblers who are going to spend money and lose money. According to the 2020 New Zealand Health and Lifestyle Survey, one in four adults, that's 27%, had gambling on, uh, had gambled online in the previous year, while international data company Stratus said New Zealand online gambling marked, uh, market, the market rather, was uh, expected to reach $930 million. Uh, at the end of 2023. For Bellringer, there's concern that those overseas operators neither pay taxes here nor contribute harm minimisation levies. Uh, whereas all operators in New Zealand have to follow strict harm minimisation regulations, none of that happens with operators based overseas and they can get away with it. In Australia, the Communications and Media Authority have blocked 863 illegal gambling websites since 2019 under the country's in Interactive Gambling Act 2001, which updated uh, was updated in 2017 and 19. Uh, here, the Department of Internal Affairs started a review of the Gambling Act 2019 because it is, it, it is increasingly out of step with the modern digital environment, DIA's General Manager Regulatory Services John Snide said. He said there's nothing prohibiting overseas providers offering products to New Zealanders but they're not allowed to advertise in New Zealand. He said, but the department is limited in the measures it can take against overseas platforms. And that story is brought to us by the Stuff Reporter for Auckland, Aaron Johnson. Thank you, Aaron. Very good. Very good indeed. Okay, now we've got more. This is New Zealand's most wingiest region. Where would that be, I wonder? That came out this morning. That's Jonathan Killick. He's uh, reporting. He says whether it's a neighbour, the tree, neighbour's tree infringing on their or their view of rubbish bins not being properly collected, Kiwis fond, uh, rather Kiwis found a lot of reasons to complain to their local council last year. The snap sent the snap send solve application. This is um, an online application was used by councils across the country. They received 106,979 reports over the course of the year. The data reveals the top gripes of various regions, and while most are uh, to be expected, others are more surprising. In Wellington, it's the water and pipe-related complaints. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, they've got 3,050 leaks at the moment the council was responsible for, and they're not doing anything about it. And then they slap water restrictions on you come summertime. 
They've got 273 reports related to leaks in burst mains. That's not enough. When you've got 3,000 leaks, should be 3,000, over 3,000. They've been, uh, that's been plaguing the capital, apparently. Northlanders have understandably had a guts full of the poor state of their roads. Absolutely. Chipped wind, windshields and buckled rims. With a quarter of their 383 complaints relating to potholes, and the hot issue for the Bay of Plenty is car parking, with 30, 88 complaints. Although it isn't clear whether the majority was supported uh, reports of uh, illegal parking parked vehicles or dissatisfaction with the availability. That's been getting what's been getting on your goat. Oh gosh, great! Can't read for shit this morning. <laughs> oh, I know, it's just terrible, isn't it? Twenty-five past six. A croaky frog that's trying to climb up through my, my gizzard. Anyway, uh, the isophagus. A uh, strange case of a Surfdale sausager. What's that all about? Uh, one year ago, the mystery of who was leaving sausages in letterboxes. <laughs> it's nothing, nothing, nothing unsightly. A nice sausage. I don't think anyone would eat it. Complete with bread and sauce. Had everyone scratching. Probably some kid out there. Well, let's see who it is. Was, you know, was it a hot sausage? Looks like it's some kid. Let's find out. Jacob Cortez, he just wants one of dozens of Waiheke residents who've been terrorised by the Surfdale sausager, oh, I see, who was bewilderingly leaving sausages in letterboxes around the island. As we launch ahead first into 2024, we take a moment to look back at some of the biggest stories happening this time last year. A sausage in the letterbox, cooked and wrapped in bread. Waiheke teen Jacob Cortez found just that on multiple occasions and after a stuff expose the mystery captured global attention in the summer of 2022 life in Cortez's Waiheke Island village of Surfdale took on a concerning turn as a snarler situation had evolved when Cortez found the first sausages was wrapped in white bread coated in tomato sauce and looked to have once been barbecued a struggling a str- struggling it off as a likely leftover from a drunken passerby, <laughs> the teen biffed it away. But it happened again. And then after sending a picture of the sausage to his friend in his friend, friend group, Cortez discovered they too had been receiving sausages. <laughs> That's when we realised we had a serial sausager on the island. Uh, who was the, sof- the uh, Surfdale sausager? The mystery had Cortez fielding calls from local media outlets in the United States even talk shows in in, Australia, in America. Uh, rather than sending the perpetrator underground, all the attention only served to egg them on. And as the mystery remained, suspicion narrowed. It narrowed in on a high school, the local one. High school, Waiheke Island princip- uh, the Waiheke Island uh, high school principal um, in October said that it had been accused of being the Surfdale Sausager. According to October... Oh, that's his name, October. Some teachers, even watchful, thought it could be a student, as many had been targeted. It seems that no one is safe from being a suspect now. The principal, the principal's own Surfdale letterbox had not been targeted, adding strength to the theory that the mischievous yet cautious young minds could be the culprit. As the year rolled on, the mystery, the mystery went unsolved. But just before Christmas, Cortez said in a television interview that sausages were no longer arriving randomly in his letterbox. He divulged, divulged that the acquaintances had admitted that the culprit had not been an individual acting alone and that the mysterious parcel in the posts were, in fact, the work of a sausage syndicate. 
<laughs> Sorry to sidetrack you there and give you that. A very different Kiwi airport. What have we got? With a train that crosses the runway. The plane timetable takes precedence, generally speaking. The airport manager said, we better have a look at that. What's that about? Michael Daly is reporting on this one. And uh, we've got Gisborne Airport. And it's got a quick, quirky claim to fame. But in the aftermath of the cyclone, the cyclone Gabrielle, it also cemented its reputation in one of the most conventional ways. I would have uh, unconventional. Uh, the Tai Rawiti went into overdrive to restore basic services after the destructive February storm that had cut off road links to the region. Equipment and skilled personnel poured in through the airport. Operator Eastland Group noted in its 2023 annual report that landings in February after Gabrielle included 206 out-of-town helicopters, four Royal Australian Air Force C-27J Spartans, six C-130 Hercules and four NH-90 helicopters from the Royal New Zealand Air Force. The morning after the storm had gone through, the airport switched to generator power, so the main problem was the lack of communications, airport manager Murray Bell recalled. We couldn't get comms with Air New Zealand, so we couldn't tell them in Auckland that we were ready for anything that they could send us. Once we got hold of the satellite phone and talked to Air New Zealand, within four to five hours, an aircraft brought a whole lot more of techie stuff, according to Bell. The airport was an essential hub for supplies and personnel in the aftermath of Gabrielle, Eastland Group, which is fully owned by the regional trust, Tairawhiti. That's what they said. And there you are. I'm looking at an old steam engine crossing, looks like a runway at Gisborne Airport. Um, that an airport could provide particular, a particularly uh, a, a valuable support during a large-scale disaster is probably not surprising. But there's something peculiar about Gisborne Airport that could startle airline passengers using it for the first time. The Gisborne-Napier railway line crosses the runway, but with the line severely damaged after so uh, further south, nowadays the section crossing the runway was only used by local-based steam train according to Bell. Uh, when the airport was first built, the rail line had been at the end of the runway, but the runway has since been extended across the line. So two-thirds of the runway is on one side of the railway line, and the other third is on the other side, Bell said. The steam train might cross the runway maybe about 15 times a year, usually during summer and usually when a cruise ship is visiting. Mostly on days when it opened, the Gisborne City Vintage Railway train made one trip, uh, a return trip uh, from Gisborne to Murawai, to Murawai, really? Can't be the same Murawai, uh, which involved crossing the runway twice. Occasionally it might make two return trips. The plane timetable takes precedence, generally speaking, Bell said. It's all controlled by the guys in the tower. The train pulls up to a certain point, the tower knowing who they're coming, and everything is prearranged. Oh, I didn't know that. I've been to Gisborne, got married in Gisborne. So that's what's happening in Gisborne. All right, we're looking at 28 minutes to 7. TNT Radio News coming up at 7. The campaign is devastated by the Auckland CBD tunnel that it won't be reopening soon. It's been a long road for Bill Reid, but he'll keep pushing the project knowing mayor, mayors to come. come mayors do, rather, mayors do come and go. Dozens of dolphins, they die despite rescue bids. They didn't die, they were euthanised. Uh, as the distressed animals thrashed and fought for freedom 
Wairoa locals did all they could to save them, but it wasn't enough. And that's the news from Stuff. Let's move over to the um, news just in from abcnet.au. And uh, Palestinian death toll in Gaza surpasses 25,000 as Israelis grow increasingly divided over the best way to free hostages. The grim milestone came as the United Nations Secretary-General condemned Israeli forces for the extent of civilian deaths. Israel's cabinet approved a plan for tax funds earmarked for the Gaza Strip to be held by Norway. At least 25 people have been uh, dead in Ukraine's strike on the marketplace in the Russian annexed city of Donkast. Um, I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Donetsk, I should say. And it came as a Russian enlarged liquefied natural gas producer said work at a terminal had been suspended following a fire caused by the internal influence. Ah. Teen Lifesaver carries out daring rescue at Sydney's north northern beach to free boys trapped in a cave. Sashia Rundle Trowbridge, who's 16, he braved rough seas and climbed rocks to help free teenage boys trapped in a cave at the uh, Worrywood blowhole with one suffering head injuries. And uh, Djokovic may not be planning a retirement, but he knows when it will be time to call it quits as he continues to his pursuit in a staggering 11th Australian Open title at Melbourne. Uh, Novak's Djokovic <laughs> hints at when he will be considering retiring. So he'll just keep going if you ask me. Pro-Palestinian or pro-Muslim terrorists, the uh, protesters, they rally in Melbourne, the CBD as the Port of Melbourne blockade enters the third day. Protesters calling for the ceasefire in Gaza and freedom for Palestinians rally in Melbourne CBD for the 15th week in a row as other demonstrators block, uh, block an Israeli ship from the city dock. And Nikki Haley, she questions Donald Trump's mental fitness. Oh, you've got to be joking, Nikki. He'd be the last one on the list you'd do that. You, she's, uh, I don't like her. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley questions whether Donald Trump's is capable of serving as president again after he repeatedly seems to confuse her with the former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I think that's on purpose. Flooding road closures and supply chain disruptions across Northern Territory as heavy rainfall continues. Emergency warnings is issued for the remote community of Kalkaringji uh, as floods cross transport routes resulting in bare supermarket shelves in Darwin and products purchased limited stores okay so it says product purchase limits at store uh, continues Stephen Williams crowned winner of the tour down under in 2024 Welshman Stephen Williams has won this year's tour down tour down under in South Australia after a thrilling final stage in the Adelaide Hills South Australia ambulance service defends respo- uh, response time after woman in pain left waiting for paramedics the South Australian Ambulance Service defended its response time after a grandmother with cancer and an extreme is it was in extreme agony was left waiting for paramedics last year. And tennis great Leighton Lewitz, his son Cruz, makes Australian Open debut with his lengthy, a legendary father watching on from the stands. Rather, 15-year-old Cruz Hewitt, he competes in the boys' single tournament at the Australian Open for the first time. NFL, five uh, quick hits. New hero emerges from San Francisco and Lamar Jackson silences doubters. Lamar Jackson goes full Forrest Gump and uh, and the Swifties can munch on the bad blood fries in Buffalo. What was that? 
There are five quick hits from the first night. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have to go and read it. I don't know. Are we interested in gridiron? I don't think so. Uh, a man in his 80s has been rescued after falling down a cliff, the face of, uh, cliff face rather, in Victoria's Yarra Range. Emergency workers have airlifted the man in his 80s to safety after he fell down a cliff in Marysville, sustaining head injuries and pelvic injuries. Ice, snow and freezing temperatures killed dozens across the United States. Two weeks of winter storms in the United States have turned roads into icy death traps, frozen frozen people to death, and caused power outages that could take weeks to fix. Australian refugee funds reportedly linked to companies associated with w- women arrested over alleged PNG drug f- fight. The arrest of the company director, her name is Mei Ling, in Brisbane last week has raised concerns in PNG that the government circle in their circles, PNG government circles, due to her links to the business interests associated with political figures, including former Deputy Prime Minister Mossi Dalani, uh, Daladina, Daladina, and it's an early start and skip early start and skip milkshakes. The government's tip for teaching consent to kids. What does this mean? Consent educators should use plan, reputable language. Um, ret- oh, yeah. Forget that story, Grant. Forget it, you've cocked it up. Um, Western Australia town breaks 26-year temperature record as BOM forecast near 50 degrees heat. The temperatures in a small Pilbara town called Parobudu has reached the highest recorded temperature level of 48.1 degrees Celsius on Sunday as extreme heat wave continues to to bake the region, and how large and small renewable energy projects are shaping Australia landscape. South Australia, Western Australia, I should say, Southern Western Australia is hosting two key projects as solutions, big and small, uh, are sought for the nation's growing energy. Uh, Windmills, (laughs) windmills, flipping batteries exploding. Okay, so there we are, we'll leave it there, and uh, let's have a look at AP News, go to AP News World and see if they have got some new stuff. The death toll, of course, 25,000. No talk much about what's happening with the um, with the uh, hostages that have been taken by the Muslim terrorists back on October the 17th. They don't want to talk about that, do they? No, they do not. 21 minutes to 7, too, by the way. J- Japan becomes the fifth country to land a spacecraft on the moon. You're right. Pull the other one. Japan came the fifth country, became, uh, in history reached the moon when one of its spacecrafts without astronauts successfully made a soft landing on the moon upside down. They weren't very happy because things weren't working. I think they think the uh, the solar panels are <laughs> not getting the sun because they're upside down. Oh, rubbish. It's all garbage anyway. Two British warships have collided in the Middle East port. A Russian private jet carrying six people crashed in Afghanistan. The Taliban say some survived and the others were taken hostage. Uh, storms. Storm, Usha, rain and wind are expected to batter parts of the UK and Ireland. Danish royals attend church service to mark King Frederick's first visit outside of the capital. That is uh, European news. And Asia, a Hindu temple built atop a, a raised mosque in India is helping Modi boost the political standing. Oh, is it? And uh, air pollution, in that while in Asia, air pollution and politics pose across border challenges in South Asia. Japan becomes the fifth country to land on the moon. Yeah. Japan uh, what are they, joins the elite club. Oh, rubbish. More nonsense there. Latin America, what's happening over there with the, um, the Hispanics? 
We've got uh, four local police officers in eastern Mexico are under investigation after a man was shot dead. A probe into Guyana uh, dormitory fire that kills 20 children finds a series of failures. And election year politics threatened Senate border deal as Trump and his allies rally opposition. The Middle East, Iran launches satellite that is part of the Western of a West Western criticised program of regional tensions spike, rather as they spike. An Israeli aircraft on the the Syrian capital killed at least five, rather five uh, Iranians, according to advisers. And women and children are the main victims of the Israeli Hamas war. Yeah, with sixteen thousand killed, according to the UN. You can believe anything that comes out of the UN because where do they get it from? They get it from the ter- terrorists on the ground because there's no proper journalism happening there at the moment. A father of America, but we believe it, don't we? We believe it and we report it here. We don't believe what we've... When have you heard, um, when have you heard a proper report coming out of Israeli news media or Israeli defence force in this country, in New Zealand? Never. Father of an American teen killed in the West Bank by Israeli fire rails against the US support for Israel. Oh, yeah. In Africa, two opposition leaders in the in Senegal are excluded from the final list of presidential candidates. I tell you what's shocking over there. Libya says production has resumed at its largest oil field after more than two week hiatus. And South African government says it wants to prevent an auction of historic Mandela artifacts. Congo's president Felix Tshisekedi. Kidi. Tishikidi is, um, I think I did that right. Yes, all right. Yeah, not bad effort. Yeah, pretty good. He's sworn into office following his disputed re-election. And a non-aligned movement calls the Israeli war in Gaza illegal and condemns the attacks uh, on Palestinians. This is in Africa. The United States News and uh, Alabama plans to carry out the first nitrogen gas execution. Oh, nasty. <laughs> How will it work? And what are the risks? And so you can find that story at apnews.com. And much of you is still gripped by the Arctic weather as Memphis deals with numerous broken water pipes. That's what happens, isn't it? And amid tough re-election fights, San Francisco mayor declines to veto resolution she criticised on Gaza. 9-11 calls for Maui capture plea. Capture, rather, uh, that's Maui. That's where they had that, uh, what happened there? Big fires, wasn't it, Maui? 9-11 calls from Maui capture pleas from the stranded, the missing, and those caught in the fire chaos. Oh, that's still going on. Okay, so that's news from AP. And uh, what else have we got? We've got the Pope. What's he up to? Scheming Pope. Scheming Pope Francis has 90% chance, or 90% of the church against him, I should say. Oh, that's interesting. This is an opinion piece. Who is this one by We'll move over to skynews.com now.au and uh, the uh, news, Sky News contributor, Dr. Rocco Loiacono. He has criticised Pope Francis for having 90% of the church against him because he isn't as learned as Pope Benedict XVI and makes up for it in scheming. Conservative bishop says there will be will boycott the Vatican's decision to allow the blessing of same-sex couples. Pope Francis says he feels lonely and isolated since he made the announcement. Popes of living memory like Jean-Paul II and Benedict XVI 
had a wonderful knowledge of the scriptures, and Benedict XVI was a wonderful theologian, probably the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah, right. Dennis, uh, I would say Dennis Spackman in New Zealand would be one of the greatest theologians. Who else would be? Derek Pierce, gone home to be with the Lord. Who else would there be? Um, a great theologian. Uh, in, in America, I would say Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. He'd be one of the greatest theologians that country's ever seen. Also, the most hated Christian probably in the United States of America, probably worldwide, actually. But Pope Francis isn't as learned as them. <laughs> no, no, of course he's not. He's not as learned as any of them. But what he lacks in learning, he makes up for in scheming, which means he surrounds himself with his mates who are mired in sexual and financial scandals. 90% of uh, on his side, what is it? Instead of having 90% on his side, he's got 85 to 90% of the church against him because He's upset the Africans, the Asians, the South Americans, and the Western Conservatives. So it's, is it any wonder that he's feeling a little bit lonely and isolated? That is the Pope. He's a little bit isolated. Now, search for a missing hiker ends in heartbreak. Days-long search for Queensland man who went missing at a popular hiking spot near the Gold Coast has come to an unfortunate end. So they've obviously found the body of that fellow there. Newborn found, newborn found dead in Victoria home. Detectives are conducting an investigation at a property in regional Victoria where a three-month-old infant died overnight. We had the same thing happen here in New Zealand over the weekend. Elderly man survives a cliff fall. Tesla recalls more than 4,000 cars over software issue. They've issued the urgent recall of a massive batch of 4,382 cars sold between a two-year period after identifying a software issue in steering wheels, which makes their use uh, notchy. Uh, it must be an Australian term, is it? Notchy. It's a bit notchy. Oh, I don't know. Well, I suppose like cogs, is it? Like when you're turning it, it's a bit sticky. You don't want that. My dad actually um, spun his VIP out once. It was a 318, and he went around the corner. I think Mangaweka. And uh, there was a problem with the power steering, and he couldn't correct it when they when he slipped on a bit of oil and sort of after it just started to rain, and he went slow. Was that a hairpin anyway? He ended up in the cattle yards <laughs> with Mum did a one eighty. So that was a bit of fun. No one injured though, but uh, he wasn't able to correct it. She just went yeah, and because the old power steering, they weren't that good in the pa the power steering. I don't think in the nineteen Valiants weren't that good. I don't think with power steering in the seventies. Australia is desperate for a uh, a Conor McGregor like outsider. Oh, we're talking sports now, are we? Uh, outsider who balks against Orwellian measures. We need a new contender on the Aussie stage, like UFC champion Conor McGregor, who can't rally against those steering a course towards George Orwellian. Uh, the the frightening 1984 novel writes Douglas McKinnon. Okay, insights now, nothing to do with sports. Albanese holds urgent caucus meeting to discuss the cost of living. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has called for an urgent caucus meeting with federal Labour MPs to discuss new measures to address the cost of living crisis impacting Australian households. And Australia is heading for a manufacturing wasteland under Labour's green insanity. Australia has reached a grim milestone in its proud manufacturing history as one of local one local company after another is crippled amid soaring energy prices and labor's green insanity writes 
Nick Cater. Yeah, he's good, Nick Cater. Okay, so there we are. And uh, Prince Harry, he's abandoned his legal case uh, just hours before a court deadline. Um, Prince Harry, he's a bit of a, you know, I mean, he had so much, so much, uh, we were anticipating such a great wee prince, weren't we, from him? But he really has, is a total disaster getting involved with that Meghan Markle. Uh, The Duke of Sussex has dropped a lawsuit against the UK publisher, instead focusing on the safety of his family. Oh, God, you're over the top. Duke of Sussex has withdrawn his libel claim against the publisher Mail on Sunday. Prince Harry suing the company over an article written in 2022 about his legal challenge to the UK's Home Office's decision to change the funding of his security. This case was all about an article written about his legal case against the Home Office and the decision to remove his automatic security. Harry was suing the Mail on Sunday and the Mail Online for an article that he claims was inaccurate and attacked his honesty and integrity. The newspaper group had said that it was honest opinion. Harry wanted that struck out, but the judge disagreed. And you might remember last year, that was when he had to pay over £48,000. I think that point was a real turning point in this whole case, which is why today the decision has been taken by Harry and his legal team to drop this case entirely. What does it mean? Well, it certainly is not the end of Harry's name on High Court papers. Don't forget he's got three other cases outstanding. There's that case he's still fighting against the Home Office. We heard it at the end of last year, that decision, that judgment still due. And then, of course, those two big privacy cases against the publishers of The Sun and the publishers of of The Mail as well. He won, of course, his phone hacking case against the Daily Mail. Those two other cases still to be heard. It'll be months, if not years, before they pop up in the high court. And they really are the cases, I think, that matter to Harry. But make no mistake, what's happened today will be costly, and it will come at a huge not just financial costs, because he's got to now pick up the legal bill for both sides, which will be hundreds of thousands of pounds. But there's a personal cost to this as well. Remember, he is the prince who once vowed that changing the media landscape would be his life's work. So it really will stick in the craw for him, I think. He won't be happy. I don't think he'll be reeling, because like I say, the other cases, the privacy cases, phone hacking, illegally obtaining his information, those are the things that really matter to him, the really personal ones. But I think, take a step back, and this was meant to be a very important year for Harry and Meghan. Last year was the year where we saw them selling and telling their so-called truth. This was the year where they were going to start afresh in many ways to try and prove to the world and their many doubters that they could have some sort of positive place in the world, that they could use their position of, of privilege for some good. So I think what Harry does next, all these court cases aside, is going to be of interest and of great significance to him. But, you know, he will not be happy about the fact he's taken on a tabloid and he hasn't won. No, you caught me off guard there. Okay, there we are. That's that story about Harry. I don't know. Are you interested in that? Probably not. Um, I find it all a bit tedious, actually, don't you? I was in a board meeting when I was about 50 years old. I think I said, is that good news or bad news? And and one of the directors said, come come outside, Richard, a minute. So came outside and he said, you don't know the difference between that and gross, do you? So I said, no. He said, I thought not. Anyway, I brought a sheet of paper. He has some colour 
pens and he, he colors it in blue and then he puts a fishing net in the in it and then he puts a little fish in the fishing net and he says um, so the fish that are in the net that's your profit at the end of the year and the rest of the ocean that's your gross turnover and um, I went uh, Got it. Ever since then, I've been name dropping net and gross mm -hmm. to people who've obviously know full, full well what it is. But the point of the story is, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's a good idea, most likely, if your chief accountant uh, knows. For somebody who's running a company, what matters is can you create the best company in its sector? Just go out and create something that's going to make a positive difference to other people's lives. Yeah, that's quite right. I like I like that. I don't know much about Richard Branson. I don't know. Is he bad? Did he go to Epstein's Island? Probably. <laughs> I think he did, didn't he? He's got his own island anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I like reading about him. I read a book about him once. I like reading books about people like, like him, as long as he's not a flippin' pervert, sex pervert. I don't know. They don't write that stuff in there, do they? Uh, I wrote, read a book, The Rise and Rise of Kerry Packer. I enjoyed reading that. I enjoyed reading Richard Branson's book as well i think someone got it for me i think my brother might have bought it for me for a present anyway it's raining here now and i'm glad i got all my digger work going i've got the digger going like a cracker i've got this 10 ton digger she's she's a blooming wreck i tell you what, i must put a photograph up of it i tell you what it hasn't got a cab uh you wouldn't want to fall out of it probably osh would be very upset with me i wouldn't let anyone else drive it i drive it and i'm getting pretty good at it actually you've got to be a bit of a helicopter pilot driving them it's a bit like flying it's actually harder i think <laughs> to do a good job of it but i'm taking all the topsoil off an area i'm going to make a sort of a car park area and um that was a bit of fun so you've got to get down you can't go putting gravel on top of soil can you so you've really got to whip all that topsoil off down to the hard clay and then i've built it up with clay and then i've driven over it hopefully it's right and you won't believe what i did i put pictures up on facebook on the um liberty nz facebook page I smacked into the side of the tiny house with the um, top of the boom of the digger. Luckily, it didn't do too much damage and just goes to show what a good builder I am. <laughs> everything fell off the shelves inside the house. But um, I gave it a smack and, uh, yeah, put it, you know, you can see this round, you know, where the pin goes through at the very top. There's a couple of pins up there. And I guess they're about, our, I'd say, two, our inch and a half diameter maybe maybe two inches diameter and you can see it they've just buried itself into the cedar um on the um the fascia whack <laughs> and so uh we have to do some if it's right on the corner it's very lucky actually so all i've got to do is just put a bit of no, copper flashing because i've got copper flashing on my my house i like the copper so anyway so it's raining now and uh, i'm so pleased that i got rid of all that topsoil so now i've got some hard clay so i'll slip on the clay now won't i going down to Feed the chooks this morning after the program. Five minutes away from TNT Radio News at seven o'clock. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, well, I think it's time for a cigarette. What do you think? The uh, government are trying to stop us all over the world, all over the Western world. They're trying to take away your freedom to do what you want with your own body. Uh, you should be allowed to do what you like, so long as it doesn't interfere with someone else. And uh, you shouldn't be... Um, telling us what to do so what's going to happen they're going to stop people smoking i like to have a cigarette every now and then and here's eric church he he likes a cigarette as well so this will uh, take us up to the news at uh, seven o'clock with eric church smoke a little smoke turn the quiet up turn the noise down let this old world just spin around i want to feel it sway 
it its way and put some feel good in my soul drag a little drink smoke a little smoke want a little more right and a little less left a little more right now a little less what's next act like tomorrow's ten years away and just kick back and let the feeling flow drag a little drink smoke a little smoke Catches me every time. Okay, coming up to news, we must be getting very close now. Just about a minute away. Actually, they're on time for some reason. The stream's going a lot quicker. Normally, it's around about uh, half a minute, three quarters of a minute after uh, the top of each hour. But now they seem to be bang right on, right on time. So uh, we're we're just about ready to go across to TNT Radio News now. Here we go, TNT Radio News right now. Now, TNT Radio News. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, I'm Matt Boylant. Two former British politicians acknowledged a link between the mRNA COVID vaccines and excess deaths in the UK. That's according to leading British cardiologist Dr Asim Malhotra, who told TNT's James Freeman that the British government is trying its hardest to stop the information from being made public until after the general election. I've now spoken to two former Conservative Party 
ministers one-on-one have had lots of time with both of these people i won't name them because i want to protect their confidentiality for obvious reasons but through those conversations one there was an acknowledgement that the covid mrna vaccines of course a big problem and are probably a big factor behind the excess deaths but the second issue james is this one of those ministers said to me a scene accepting what i've said um there's a big problem with getting this out before the general election because this essentially may collapse a government. I mean, they, they, you know, one of the prides of this particular government has been the rollout of the vaccine. And interestingly, as you know, James, only a few days ago, the BBC reported on the fact that during the COVID inquiry, a decision has been made that any concerns and issues related yeah. to the COVID vaccine, specifically with heart issues, is going to only occur after the general election. That tells you everything you need to know. Donald Trump secured his first victory in the race for the White House this week, winning Iowa's caucuses in a landslide vote. US media outlets began calling the statewide contest for Trump just 30 minutes after voting began. The 77-year-old winning more than 50% of the vote, making it the largest victory ever achieved in a contested Iowa caucus, beating the 41% won by George W. Bush in the year 2000. The overwhelming results cementing the ex-commander-in-chief's status as the clear frontrunner for the 2024 Republican nomination. The commanding victory also highlighting Trump's continuing dominance over the Republican Party, with voters backing a man facing four criminal indictments. Speaking after the race was called, Trump said he wanted to unite the world. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. Meanwhile, as the results became clear, Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race. He appeared on stage with Donald Trump in New Hampshire the following day, where he endorsed the ex-commander-in-chief for president. There's not a better choice left in this race than this man right here. And that is why I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president. Make America great again. Vote for this man right here in the New Hampshire primary. We will not stop until we get this job done. Thank you all. God bless you and your family. Texas Senator Ted Cruz also announced this week that he too would be endorsing Trump. And after sending nearly $19 billion worth of military aid to Ukraine, Germany conceded this week that it has no idea where the weapons have ended up. This has been Matt Boyland with your weekend news brief. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Your home for the news. They do a great job of breaking down the big story. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. All right, very good morning to you. Three minutes past, I think it is. Three, yes, three minutes. Very short this morning, isn't it? Short news from TNT Radio. Three minutes past uh, seven o'clock. I'm here till eight o'clock. Let's look at the extremes now. Napier, 21.9 degrees. Twizel's on 11.1. Castle Point, the wind has picked up a little bit there. 20... Um, 
30, 31 kilometres per hour, so I guess that's around about 10, 12, 15 knots, something like that. Westport had 3.4 millimetres of rain. Temperatures right across the whole country are in the double digits. And uh, the top, of course, is Napier, but, you know, Hamilton and Tauranga, Gisborne, they're all up around the 20 degrees. Napier's got 22, and, oh, we said that, didn't we, 21.9, near enough. Wellington and Masterton are both on 20, and Vicargill even has 14 degrees at the moment. So that's uh, very good, isn't it? Nice and warm, warm and moist, and the grass is growing great. So I've got a lot of cattle and uh, where I am, and we are getting some good growth. And some, I would say those cows are putting on about one to one and a half kgs a day. Looking very big, and I wouldn't want to be jumped by number 401 like he did the other week. I climbed up on my back and thought he could ride me, but it uh, didn't turn out very well for me. I had a, I actually got a broken rib out of it. <laughs> Not much you can do with broken ribs. Just look in the homeopathic uh, journals there. They've got one specifically for ribs. Can't remember offhand. That's the thing with homeopathy. There's so many different remedies. There's no way you can memorise them all. Anyway, the short forecast for all of New Zealand, valid until midnight tonight. For Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty, isolated showers but scattered rain in Bay of Plenty until this afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain spreading south this morning and the heavy falls in Gisborne clearing this evening. Waitomo to Wellington, including the central high country, and Wairarapa, Marlborough and Nelson. Fine spells and isolated showers, some possibly heavy with thunderstorms inland this afternoon and evening. In the west from Buller to Fjordland, showers, some heavy, possibly thundery in the Grey District southwards. And that's this morning and evening. For Canterbury, scattered rain, uh, morning rain, followed by isolated showers, some possibly heavy, and then clearing this evening. Otago to Southland, scattered rain in Clutha and Southland, otherwise cloudy periods and isolated showers. In the Chatham Islands, cloudy periods with uh, rain developing later on tonight. That is news and weather. I'll be back uh, with some more interesting stuff for you in a moment. It's, it's just extraordinary to me that, uh, you know, the government was working with social media to amplify lies and suppress truth and has been doing so repeatedly. Why couldn't the American people know that, you know, there were other alternatives to treat COVID? Why, why can't the American people know that there were side effects with the vaccine? This was all pre-planned by an elite group of people. That's what I'm talking about. Event 201 that occurred in late 2019 prior to the rest of us knowing about this pandemic. Again, yeah. Yeah, th- this is very concerning in terms of what has happened, what is happening, uh, what continues to be planned for our loss of freedom. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it needs to be exposed, but unfortunately, there, there are very few people, even in Congress, that are willing to take a look at this. Uh, they, they all push the vaccine. Uh, they don't want to, you know, be, be made aware of the fact that the vaccines might have caused injuries, might have caused death. Uh, you know, so, so many people just simply don't want to admit they were wrong, and they're going to do everything right. they can to make sure that they're not proven wrong. We're, well, we're up against people, a very powerful group of people here, Maria. But that's the only way this is going to be solved, is we need the truth to be exposed. We need more Americans to listen to the truth, to be exposed to the truth, to pull their heads out of the sand, quite honestly, open up their eyes and understand what is happening in this country. We are going down a very dangerous path, but as a path is being laid out and planned by an elite group of people that want to take total control over our lives. And that's what they're doing bit by bit. They do it by increasing massive government spending, increase the size of government, uh, take over of the WHO. These amendments that are coming up uh, that are going to be voted on in 2024 on the WHO are frightening 
and they, they really risk taking away all of our sovereignty. But people have to awake, awaken to the dangers of the moment. And for those that you don't know, that voice, that Senator Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, I think, isn't it? Have a look. Senator Ron Johnson. Yes, very good indeed, isn't he? Uh, almost nine minutes past seven. Good morning. And uh, news just to hand. There's, uh, according to newshub.co.nz, one person is suspected to be dead after a serious crash in Napier. Emergency services were called to a crash on Kennedy Road at about uh, 29 minutes past 12, so in the early hours of the morning this morning. The crash involved two vehicles. Initially, indica- Initial indications suggest one person is deceased, according to police spokesman. Uh, police said that Kennedy Road is now closed between Mardi Road and Bill Hurlcock Street, while emergency services navigate the scene. Uh, diversions are in place. However, motorists are advised to avoid the area if possible and expect slight delays when travelling. That is from News Hub. Now, we're going to have a look at see what happened on this day in history today. If you're having a birthday, it's the 22nd of January. Happy birthday to you. Oh, which reminds me, I've got some birthdays coming up. I've <laughs> got one on the 28th. My son's having his birthday on the 28th. And I've got my daughter on the 13th, so I better get organised, especially with the um, the Indians running the post at the moment. Things are a bit slow. The Gaza death toll, of course, has uh, surpassed 25,000. We expect that, but it doesn't mean to say that Israel are doing the wrong thing by attacking Muslim terrorists in the Gaza Strip. And I think they should take it over. Uh, in the Bible, it says that um, all of Gaza belongs to the belongs to the Jews, and that's the way it should be. We've got some funny Christians out there that are, that uh, seem to be um, sort of... Uh, Settled up in line with the um, the pro-Muslim terrorists. Uh, it's anti-Semitism. It's just a modern form of anti-Semitism. That's all that is. The government MPs they hit back after the moan session. It's called a moan session. Hui, a hui is a meeting. They say that they're um, they're putting Kiwis before Iwi. Very good. Iwi means tribe. Kiwi is New Zealander, so they're putting New Zealanders before tribes. Uh, one very good. Uh, one dead, two in- seriously injured after a vehicle rolls on the west coast beach of Murawai. And a full bus was affected. St John's called after multiple teens faint in extreme heat. Nothing to do with heat or to do with probably the drugs they're taking, getting excited. Silver ferns scrapped past, uh, they um, scraped rather, scraped past Uganda at Nations Cup in London. And uh, climate change, climate cost of, uh, we need to know, home delivery, oh rubbish. Uh, more rubbish there from the uh, fake stream media. And there is a video that shows a large pod of what they call false whales now. They're killer whales. They call them false killer whales. They've been stranded at the Hawke's Bay Beach. And as far as I know, that's the ones I think they actually euthanized them. And a dash cam video there. If you go over to News Hub, you can see the dash cam of a shocking moment when a car flips uh, after two vehicles collide on the motorway over the weekend. And uh, what else have we got? What's the trending stories? The, the um, Gulf Sabalinka. Uh, coast to one-sided win to book Australian Open quarter-final berths. Oh, okay, that's good. Silver ferns, yeah, we've got all that. Suspected, yeah, we've got that too. Nothing new by the look of it. Uh, Prince Harry, he dumped his legal claim against the UK tabloid, yeah. And Tama Potaka, uh, Potaka, he says the accusation the government based on white supremacy is, well, I don't know if he, he used the word premature, but I think it's just, it's actually rubbish, isn't it? It's just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. They're for all New Zealanders, not for all the tribes. Fair enough. Maori weren't here first anyway. They they like to claim they were, but they certainly weren't. They didn't paddle here, and they didn't paddle here on a dugout log either. They came on whaling ships. <laughs> Can you back that statement up, Grant? No, but it's reasonable, isn't it? It's more reasonable than they paddled here on the dugout log.
especially when you get near, if you know anything about sailing, coming down from Fiji, <laughs> oh boy, or Hawaii or wherever, coming down and you hit the, what they call the um, variables. I mean, I'd be, boy, and there's some huge tides out there as well. I would say they would struggle to get here. No, they came, they came on the, on the, um, they came on the whaling ships, lots of whaling ships. Now, while we're talking about that, anyway, as I said, if you're having a birthday today, happy birthday to you. I'm looking at a photograph of Thomas McGrath, and more uh, McGrath. He is a fierce-looking man. Uh, he is a, his name is Captain Thomas McGrath, and he skippered the winning whale boat in a race on Lambton Harbour, which carried a ten quid prize. Ten quid is uh, colloquial for ten pounds. We had pounds, shillings and pence up until 1967 or 68, somewhere around there. Second place was also from the same ship, the Grecian. That was his ship, a 90-foot schooner or something. I don't know what it was. 47-year-old McGrath. He had had a successful 15-year career hunting whales in the South Pacific. But by the end of the 1860s, the Leviathans of the Deep were getting a bit uh, scarce. Uh, the voyage he had begun in Hobart in December 1861 was to be the last in the pursuit of the Cestians, I think that's how the Cestacians, I think that's how you pronounce it. That's what the whales. McGrath had a hard task, he was a hard taskmaster, and most of the 27 crew deserted when the 90 foot Cretion took, uh, docked in, um, in Wellington. Uh, in the first days of 1863, after making four kills in Fiji, or whale kills that is, instead of returning to Hobart with the proceeds from the whale oil, McGrath bought food and liquor uh, and had the vessel repainted black and white to resemble a man-of-war under the na- renamed Re- Grecian. Then sailed, they sailed off to the Chatham Islands where McGrath recruited about 20 Maori to replace the deserters. He told them that he intended to hunt for whales around New Zealand coast, but soon headed north. On the 17th of May, he announced his intentions to fill the hold with Pacific Islanders and take them to Peru, which had recently legalised the recruitment of Pacific Islanders as plantation labourers and domestic servants on three-year almost unpaid contracts. Businessmen paid up to 200 pesos per person, no questions asked. It was more reliable income than could be made from whaling. So eight crewmen who refused to take part in the scheme were put ashore in Samoa. The rest, nearly all Maori, they sailed to the Cretan to, uh, the to the isolated Tongan island of Atar. Now, the locals who were used to trading with passing ships and nearly 150 men, women and children, half of the island population, they came aboard and they were lured into the hold with the promise of a meal. Once the trap doors were closed and locked, the Cretan set sail for Peru. Uh, trading a Pacific work, uh, trading of Pacific workers has been banned. Uh, by the time the Atans were um, uh, offloaded and and what that place called, I wrote it down there. What's it called now? This funny place. It is called Kaal, which you wouldn't think so when you're looking at the word, but that's how, what they say. They call it Kaal. Uh, so they were offloaded there. That's in Peru. Now many contracted smallpox were well, because they were cooped up inside a warehouse waiting for the ship to go home. And uh, it was unclear if any of them ever returned to Tonga. The remaining inhabitants of Atar were evacuated to the mainland after the raid, and they were resettled on the island of Iua, where many of their descendants still live. In December 1863, McGrath stood trial in Bluff on charges of appropriating the Grecian, the, the Cretan from its, that's the ship, the, its 90-footer, 
uh, from its owners and breaching the Customs Act by failing to declare spirits and foodstuffs that he'd landed on Stewart Island. He was convicted and probably spent some time in jail, but Graf was never charged in relation to his actions at the Attar. Uh, but that story you can read for yourself. Very interesting, just a little excerpt there, something that happened on this day. It's called The Stolen Island, and it's called Researching for Attar uh, by Scott Hamilton. So that's what happened on this day in history. All right, I'll be back in a moment with the Otago Daily Times. And it's and it's and it's uh, it, 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 it's sixteen minutes, I think, is it? Yes, yeah, sixteen past seven. And it's and it's an obvious, obvious attempt to subjugate people in the West to a false ideology and a false version of our own past. So no, I mean, all of the, all of the sort of the, the combination of the two of these things, a wild distortion of Western history, the negative interpretation of all of Western history, is bad on its own. But combined with this. Edenic, Vaseline-lensed interpretation of everyone else. No. No, you might just about get away with one of those things, but not both, and not both at the same time. No way. Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless. Alrighty, that's good. 17 past 7, and we're at the Otago Daily Times, and extreme fire risk sparks warning. Following major fires in Canterbury last week, fire and emergency in New Zealand. Oh, that's... It's gone, gone left on me. Can I grab it and pull it back? It's gone. The story's gone. How do I get back to you? I don't like those ones that slide on you. Oh, there we are. You've got to click it like that. So maybe I have to... Oh, no, I've got to click it again. Click, Clickety-click. There we are. Now, was it going to take off on me? I don't know. Uh, following major fires in Canterbury last week, Fire and Emergency New Zealand are warning Otago and Southland residents to be extra vigilant as the fire risk rises to extreme in some parts of the region. Well, it happens every year, doesn't it? It's a wee bit warmer this year than it was last year, but it's certainly not the the warmest we've had. That was in 1973 in February, where they had temperatures of up to over 42 degrees in um, Canterbury and also in Marlborough. A call for truly bicultural New Zealand. A call for, um, what's a mukapuna? Can someone tell me? Text me through on 021-732-423 and tell me what mukapuna, mukapuna is. I haven't got time to look it up. Uh, was just one of the emotional cries to change a change made by people of the Tui Tui Ti, uh, uh, big long Mary name there. Uh, activation pro uh, there was a activation protest in Dunedin on Saturday. Uh huh. Okay, big fat white guy there looks like he eats far too much carbohydrates. There with a megaphone. I've got one like that. Uh, Grandma said she knew it would win. Uh, dabbing the hot spot in the Otago Daily Magic Moments photo competition came as a surprise to Dunedin family. He's got a nice photo there. Nice wee boy. Um, better now I've sort of wet the appetite. We'll find out what that's about. What a handsome young man he is. And he's taken, oh, great photograph there. They've built some blocks up and they made a tower out of it. And it's outside and he's got the shot of it collapsing. <laughs> Mum's got a glass of wine in her hand. Dad's laughing. He looks a bit like the mayor of Auckland, actually got his cap on and he's in good nick he's got a great physique there and that's his family and it won the photograph uh that is a beauty uh concord teenager harper uh harper abbott abbott said it was his grandmother's idea to send the photo she said she knew it would win harper was enjoying a sunny christmas day with his family at the grandmother's house when he snapped the winning shot his cousin had been playing giant jenga 
for about an hour and a half, and Harper was on standby, phone in hand, poised to snap a shot of the inevitable toppling of the tower. I was standing there waiting for quite a while, maybe 20 minutes, because it was taking a long time for the round to end. Harper won a pair of Hawke's Bay vintage binoculars for his stellar shot of the 428 entrants. Uh, We've got... uh, they were submitted for the competition. 130 were accepted for publication. Oh, there's another wonderful shot there. I'm looking at some steps that go right down to a lookout on the beach. Now, where is that? That is second place. It went to Stephanie Snedden, who took a photo of Alex Snedden and his son, Henry and James, admiring the view on the Hump Ridge track. There we are. And uh, she won a copy of the Otago Daily Times Special Edition Otago, Otago Monopoly. And third place went to, went to Jamie Wasley, who snapped a shot of a four-year-old of a four-year-old George Wasley enjoying a day at St Kilda Beach on January the 13th. And that's another great shot too, with the waves coming in with the young fella, and he's all zipped up, and uh, he's wearing a full arm uh, swimming suit, zip up the front, and uh, that's what they used to do in the old days. Anyway, the men. They would cover up their bodies. They thought it was, um, you know, because basic New Zealand was very Christian. In fact, the whole world was. If you look at the 1920s, the swimsuits that men wore covered their entire torso, didn't they? That was uh, that's the way it was. Uh, dishonest health minister slammed over Dunedin Hospital. Health Minister Shane Reddy has been accused of dishonesty after refusing to confirm a $30 million boost for the Dunedin Hospital. That's the new one that, to go ahead. And a car smashes into Dunedin property after taking evasive action. It was a swerve to avoid a vehicle that failed to give way, according to Senior Sergeant Anthony Bond in Dunedin. What else have we got happening here? Well, we better perhaps move away from South Island News and go to more... Now, how do I do this? Go Otago Daily Times, see if I can get sort of more national news. Um... Doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that. Hopes for researchers. Uh, what have we got here? Hopes for research as twenty million dollar lobster industry recovers. The South's nearly two hundred million. Did I say twenty? I meant two hundred million a year. Rock lobster industry has rebounded after maritime heat waves prompt fears last summer. Ah. Uh, coming of age a celebration held. International students from the University of Otago, Kusuki Hashimoto on the left, and Haru. Hito Tanaka, the celebrate at the Dunedin Coming of Age Ceremony at the Knox Church Stewart Hall on Saturday. It's all very South Island, eh? We better, how do I do this? They've changed the whole layout of this page and stuffed it up completely now. Can't find my way around. I'll go oh, over on the side here. Sports, news, news. Here, national. Hey, there we go. And that's the Because I quite like the way they put it. At least they give you a sentence or two. 24 minutes past seven, too. A sense of unity key at the national Maori meetings. That is according to uh, Nai Tahu, uh, the national Kingitanga Hui. That's a meeting held in Waikato at the weekend. Was one of the most significant meetings in recent history in, in decades apparently uh, in New Zealand according to local tribe figures and uh, a race against time we've got the whale stranded a company must pay a worker $30,000 worth of errors uh, he made $30,000 worth of errors I should say and they've still got to pay him the company they refused to pay an accountant who did such a bad job that it cost the business $30,000 and they've been ordered to pay uh, by a tribunal to fork out for the man's wages mums give, gives birth to a baby in a megastore in Auckland Auckland Wholesale Store, Costco, 
uh, were host to the newborn in the toilets. Luckily, she said it was clean. They're from the Philippines. Lovely couple. Baby looks like a monkey, but all babies look like monkeys when they come out, don't they? And it's been um, 70 years since the Tangawai disaster happened on the 24th of December, 1953. And um, an Oakuni man attending the memorial service at the Tangawai rail disaster says he's still touched by the event 70 years on. And more heavy rain for Westland. Parts of New Zealand are bracing for and for a battering of rain and thunderstorms today as tropical cyclones strengthen near Australia. Canterbury fires, the um, heart goes out to families, according to the Mayor. Three large vegetation fires in Canterbury, they remain contained and controlled, with two in the mop-up stage, according to Fire and Emergency. Opposition parties, they urge Luxon to shut down the Treaty Principles Bill. Opposition parties, that's the Maori Party pretty much, they've seized on a leaked ministerial memo about the government's proposed treaty principles. It actually was more than the memo. It was the bill itself in its draft format. Um, according to the, pre- yeah, the proposed treaty principles, saying that the Prime Minister should put a stop to it. Heavy rain warning in force for the East Coast. East Coast residents of the North Island are expected to be uh, bracing again. They have to brace themselves for another deluge, according to the Met Service. They've issued a heavy rain warning in the Tairawiti area north of Tolaga Bay. 25 past 7 and another busy day for Canterbury fire crews. Fire crews have battled blazes for another day amid hot and dry windy conditions and residents are devastated after a home destroyed. Waimakariri Mayor Dan Gordon says his heart goes out to the people affected by the big fires in Canterbury. I go, we're a bit repetitious there. Let's move over to RNZ and we'll look at New Zealand news here. Heavy rain lashes the East Cape and Westland. Heavy rain hit the eastern parts of the North Island the Westland overnight and weather warnings remain in place for Gisborne. Tairawiri. Uh, pot of stranded whales, yeah, it's old news. Climate costs of need of need it now home deliveries. Before you click that online order, have a think about what all these door-to-door... Oh, get stuffed. You've got to get your stuff, you've got to buy it. Severe thunderstorm warnings for part of the central North Island, according to Met Service. Only be that bad. It's going to be a bit rainy all over, but it'll all be blown over by tonight. You'll be right. Significant, significant number of properties affected by the Canterbury fires, according to the mayor. And uh, staff injury at Manukau aggravated robbery. Police are investigating yet another uh, uh, violent robbery at a South Auckland service station. When did that happen? Oh, that was yesterday. Uh, officers were called to the petrol station in Cavendish Drive at about quarter past six in the morning on Sunday. Four men assaulted a staff member before taking items and fleeing in a stolen vehicle, according to police. St John's Ambulance said that it attended the incident and treated a patient who was in a moderate condition. It was the third aggravated robbery of the service station in South Auckland this month. Uh, other news, Masterton leads a Sunday heatwave with 33 degree high. And uh, Met Service said that Masterton was top of the high of 33 degrees, but it was uh, still two degrees short of the January record temperature of 35 degrees set in 2021. Multiple other locations were... They don't talk about all the old temperatures, which are much higher than that, do they? Back in the 70s, mul- uh, multiple other locations were close behind, with Auckland, Palmerston North, Hastings, Coverdale. Uh, they hit 30 temperatures, 30 degrees uh, Celsius. And... Um, just just below the 29 degrees highs were Hamilton, Kaitaia, Gisborne, Napier, Wellington and Blenheim. So if you're looking for a great spot to cool off, the lowest high of the day was Haast at 21 degrees, according to Met Service. 
There you are. Man fatally shot in Palmerston North homicide investigation launched. The investigation's underway in Palmerston North after a man died from a gunshot wound on Saturday night. Uh, what do we know about that? It looks like it's in a sort of like a down along right away with a whole lot of flats there. The only trouble with shared driveways is people get pissed off with each other. So this investigation is underway after this man was shot. From, and uh, it was in a statement, Detective Senior Sergeant Dave Wilson said emergency services were called to Coromandel Court at about 7.30pm on Saturday night to reports of a man being shot. He was taken to hospital but died of his injury shortly after. Police, he said, police have um, maintained a scene guard at the property overnight and will complete, complete a scene examination with assistance from staff of ESR. That's a Department of Research, isn't it? Kind of, it used to be ESR. D used to be the DSIR, wasn't it? Is that the same thing? ESR? What's ESR? Oh, hang on, that's, um, oh, you know, you know, the cops and their photographers and all that. He said officers will remain in the area today and we, as we piece together exactly what occurred. Wilson said police wanted to hear from anyone who was in the Roslyn area of Coromandel Court and Featherston Street that may have seen anything suspicious. People who have CCTV or dash cam footage from the evening are asked to call 105. It's a good idea to do that. 29 minutes past seven. And we're st- still over at rnz.co.nz and Taranaki GP practice network Embracing phys- uh, Physician Associates, a Taranaki GP, that's a, um, uh, what's GP again? GP, doctor, what are they? General practitioner. They practice network embracing, they call it. Oh, network, <laughs> this is no punctuation. Uh, embracing Physician Associates, apparently. The Physician Associates work under the supervision of a doctor, but, uh, but see patients independently, which I don't think is such a good idea. I don't know about that. You want to be seen by that just goes to show you that our health system's in tatters. Wellington Road closure due to serious crash. One person seriously injured following a two-vehicle crash in Wellington. I uh, wonder when that happened. That was yesterday. Uh, we've got uh, no, that's it. No, no new news there. And thousands of Woolworth staff may have been underpaid. Apparently, better have a look at that story. So we'll look at that in more in depth. Thousands of supermarket staff working for Woolworths in the last seven years may have been underpaid. A company spokesman said the re- person said the review in 2022 identified two problems affecting salaried staff. She said, or he or she said, that we've made contact with around 5,000 former and current salaried store team members, store team members, hi team, uh, who worked for us between 2015 and 22, who had roles that could potentially have been impacted by this. Whoever it was, who's the person that made that? They don't say. They're just they're quoting people here, but we don't know who they are. But anyway, uh, so they made contact them. We're just starting this process. There isn't enough information available for us to determine exactly which team members or of all stores may be may have been impacted and to what extent. In some instances, staff would have not been paid correctly for extra hours or work or worked on weekdays recorded as annual leave. Woolworths had proactively engaged with the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment to fix the problem, she said. Who is she? Did it say? It doesn't say. No, we don't know who she is. Some Sheila. Uh, The majority of our 22,000 team are not salaried, and we expect a limited number of our total team to have been impacted by these issues. We expect, well, they're contacting 5,000, so there must be a few, we expect any remediation owed to be paid out from 
mid-2024. Yeah, plus interest and also a penalties for late payment. <laughs> uh, but the union representing supermarket workers said some local Woolworths managers ask staff to do extra hours for free and come in on their, week, their days off. Why would you do that? First Union Chief Executive Bill Bradford said these cases were not administrative errors. They are a very deliberate act by some, some managers who said people go on leave, take uh, days annual leave, but we want, we want you to come back tomorrow and work without clocking in. He said wage theft was common in many industries, and migrant workers in particular they're particularly vulnerable, vulnerable to this kind of exploitation. However, the union was satisfied with the response from Woolworth senior leadership teams since it became aware of the problem in 2022. Well, I suppose if the union's satisfied with it, it must be all right. That was according to Bradford. It's not Sue Bradford, is it? No, no, no. Only Bill Bradford. Well, brother. Oh, gosh, we've got coffee here going cold. Um, what are we up to now? Gosh, 27 minutes to 27 minutes to 8. Now, uh, we're still over at Radio New Zealand. Uh, where else should we go? Oh, don't know. Don't know. RadioNewZealand.co.nz. You can find them there. Uh, that was New Zealand news we're having a look at. See what they say. See what they think about what's happening in the world. Deadly blast hits a market in Russian-held Ukraine city. A Moscow-installed official blames Ukraine for the attack, which killed... 25 people and injured 20. That has just come through now, so that's new news. Zelensky counts on more Western defence aid for Ukraine in the next two months. President uh, Zelensky, Volodymyr, isn't it? Zelensky, he says Ukraine is preparing new aid agreements with its Western allies. Don't hold your breath, mate. I think we're over you, aren't we? UK dog with six legs has been operated on to remove its extra limbs. About $31,000 was raised by well-wishers all over the world, enabling her to have a life-changing operation. And up to 15,000 people killed in one city in Sudan violence. Between 10 and 15,000 people were killed in one day in Sudan's West Dufour region. Last year, in ethnic violence by the paramilitary rapid support forces, the RSF, and allied Arab militia. So they're Muslims. They like killing. 13 dead after a school dormitory fire in China. 13 people have died after the fire broke out in a school dormitory in central China, the South Korean Xinhua News State Agency reported. US court bars Apple Watch imports during appeal over ban. Apple Watches capable of reading blood oxygen levels cannot be imported into the US while Apple challenges uh, a court ruling. Police chief charged over the Seoul Halloween crush that killed 159 people. Charged with negligence, rather more than a year after the Halloween crash, did they do that over there? Didn't think they did in Seoul. It's Korea, isn't it? South Korea. They left. You know, all these people did. Japan's lunar aircraft lands uh, successfully. Oh, that's debatable. Lands successfully in the desert somewhere in the world, uh, or in a studio. (laughs) Alec Baldwin again charged with manslaughter in the Rust movie set shooting. The actor was indicted by a grand jury in New Mexico on charges of involuntary manslaughter stemming from his shooting death of the cinematographer. Uh, his name is Halna Hutchins. Prince Harry, he drops his libel claim, according to the mail. That, that's against the mail. One of the, yeah, it's the mail publisher. That's right. He's dropped it. Got more, more important things to do. Fiji's got a methamphetamine problem. Do you know that? They've got a... They've got a, a, a 
It says here, more than three tonnes of methamphetamine seized by Fiji police on the 14th of January remains under 24-hour surveillance. And a man's been jailed in Thailand for 50 years for defaming the monarchy. Originally sentenced to 28 years for posts made three years ago on Facebook, the Thai, uh, the Thai appeals court added 22 years to the man's sentence. God, man, they pay for keeps over there. Uh, we've got Netanyahu. He publicly opposes the establishment of a Palestinian state. Well, it hasn't worked before, has it? That's two in a row. I mean, they gave them all that land back in 2005. The Israelis gave them their own land, gave it to the, the Muslim terrorists, and look what happened. Turned out to be a disaster. Israeli Prime Minister rejection of the Washington's efforts shows the growing disagreement between the two allies. And William visits Kate in hospital after surgery. The visit comes after the Princess of Wales spends a second night in hospital. Is this new? Oh, that's good. No, it's getting old now. God, RNZ. Pick it up. Pick it up. Uh, where should we go now? AP News. We'll go World News, AP, see if there's anything new there. Let's look at World News. Now, do we have a jingle for that? I think we do. Let's... Or do we or not? Or maybe we do. Yes, we do. Here it is. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Ooh, right. International news, you're a bit slow there. It's because it's, I haven't got faders. I haven't got a proper desk here with faders. I've got to go and get the mouse and pull it down with the mouse. And so pain in the butt. Palestinian death toll in Gaza surpasses 25,000 people while Israel announces the death of another hostage. The uh, Gaza Ministry of Health does not differentiate between civilians and combatants in its death toll, but it states that around two-thirds of those killed were women and minors. Oh, rubbish. I believe that. I believe nothing that comes out of there. My mother used to say, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. Uh, Japan becomes the fifth country to land a spacecraft on out in the desert somewhere or in a studio somewhere. Uh, Stanley Kubrick would be proud. Uh, and what have we got? A century after Lenin's death, the USSR founder seems to be an afterthought in modern Russia. So it should. Yeah, I don't think they're interested. They just want to get get along. And now we've got that general that came out and said that we should we should all be preparing for war with Russia in the next 20 years. Wow, what's that all about? Far out. So why do they want to have a war with Russia? All Russia want to do is just protect their borders. That's why they couldn't have NATO come into Ukraine. They warned them. They warned, he warned them for 10 years. And what did they do? They set up their bases in Ukraine and they're financing it. So this, this I would say the people that make the guns and bullets, the bombs, uh, the um, Americans there, the big billionaires, they want, they want war. That's why they create war, so they can have more war. Okay, um, so there we are. I might take a break and have a bit of a slurp of my coffee. And uh, so we'll be joined with Douglas Murray here in just a moment. And it's, and it's an obvious, obvious attempt to subjugate people in the West to a false ideology and a false version of our own past. So, no, I mean, all of the, all of the sort of the, the combination of the two of these things, the wild distortion of Western history, the negative interpretation of all of Western history is bad on its own. But combined with this Edenic Vaseline lensed interpretation of everyone else, no. No, you might just about get away with one of those things, but not both, and not both at the same time. No. The legendary tale of David and Goliath. Our story begins in Bethlehem, where a young shepherd named David tended his flock. Little did he know that his destiny would lead him to confront a giant, not with a sword, but with faith and a slingshot. 
As the Israelites faced the Philistines in battle, a formidable giant named Goliath emerged. Towering over everyone, he challenged the Israelites to send out a champion to face him in single combat. Enter David, a young shepherd who stepped forward in faith to accept Goliath's challenge. Armed with nothing but his slingshot and unwavering trust in God, David faced the giant with remarkable courage. With a single well-aimed stone, David struck Goliath down, proving that faith and determination can triumph over seemingly insurmountable odds. It's 20 to 8, and I like a bit of a Bible story, don't you? You've got to have a Bible story in the morning. Now, this is Dr. Sherry Trotter. She's a Maori woman. Listen to what she says about the Maori party. I was extremely disappointed to hear the Radio New Zealand interview today with Te Party Maori leader Debbie Ngāru Wapaka. The struggle with Hamas is not about colonisation. Israel completely left Gaza in 2005, completely left every Israeli, every Jewish settlement, was forcibly removed by Israel so they could hand control over to the people of Gaza. They were effectively giving the Gazans their rangatiratanga. And what happened? They voted into power Hamas, a terrorist entity, who took over Gaza and turned it into a terrorist enclave. Who is Hamas? Hamas is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. It's a radical Islamist group that shares the values of the Muslim Brotherhood. It is backed by Iran and funded by Qatar. There are similar movements throughout the Middle East. They're connected to Hezbollah in the north who are currently firing on Israel. They all have the same ideology. Their goal is to annihilate Israel. It is written in their charter. That is their goal. That is what they've been trying to do for the past 16 years. That is what they were trying to do on the 7th of October. They went into Jewish communities with the intention to kill as many Jews as possible. That is genocide. To compare what Hamas is doing with what the IDF is doing is morally reprehensible. Hamas has in its charter their desire to annihilate Israel. They are a radical Islamist group. That's what they're trying to do. Israel believes in the principles, the value of life. They do everything possible to save civilian life. They never target civilians. They target terrorist infrastructure. They warn civilians. They try to allow civilians to leave. What we have seen in the last couple of weeks is the difference between Hamas that uses its people as human shields and Israel that tries to protect civilian lives, the lives of its own people, as well as the lives of the Palestinians. Israel gave warning to the people to leave because they were going to target terrorist infrastructure. Hamas set up roadblocks to stop their own people from leaving. Why is that? Because Hamas is a radical Islamist group that does not value life, does not value the lives of its own people. They use their people as human shields. They store their weapons in hospitals, in schools. To compare the two is morally reprehensible. To accuse Israel of genocide, colonization and apartheid, as Debbie has done, is reality inversion. 
There is no apartheid in Israel. 20% of the population are Arabs. They have equal rights. They have the same freedoms as every other person in Israel. They're successful in society. They're in all parts of society. They are doctors, lawyers, judges, teachers, right throughout society. The only apartheid you will see is in Gaza and in some parts of the West Bank, where Jews are forbidden to enter, and if they do, they risk being killed. That is the only apartheid that actually exists in Israel. Israel is not committing genocide. Hamas has committed genocide. Israel does not support apartheid. Hamas does, and some of the Palestinian territories do. They want to cleanse the entire area of Jews. That's what the river to the sea means. It's a call for genocide. It is the Jews who are the indigenous people of the land. They have more than a three and a half thousand year continuous connection with that land. It is the land where their unique culture, their religion, their language developed. The Arabs are in fact indigenous to Arabia. Jews have experienced all the struggles of indigenous peoples, expulsion from their land, dispossession, persecution, pogroms, and yet they have managed to be restored to their ancient ancestral homeland. This should be an inspiration for indigenous peoples, and in fact has been an inspiration to Māori, especially from the 19th century even to today. Many Māori resonate with the story of the Israelites. You look at uh, some of our Māori prophetic movements like Ratana, Iharaira, Ringatū, there is a strong connection to Israel which is there even to today. The only people to have ever had sovereignty in the land are the Jewish people. They have three times had sovereignty in that land prior to 1948. It is their ancestral homeland and the Arabs of that period recognised it and acknowledged it. The kind of inflammatory rhetoric that the Māori Party is spouting is irresponsible. Calling Israel evil is demonising and dehumanising, and it has a direct impact on the lives of Jews everywhere. The small Jewish community in New Zealand is a vulnerable community, and they are being subject to targeting, to intimidation, because of this kind of rhetoric that is not based on history or fact, but actually is Hamas propaganda. I call on the Māori Party to look into the history, to hear the other side of the story, to meet with Jewish people to understand what they are experiencing right now. They have just experienced the worst slaughter in one day since the Holocaust. And that is Dr. Cherie Trotter, Maori doctor, and um, very good. That was that came out a few weeks ago, and I thought I'd play that. I think I've aired it once. Very impressed with that. Uh, yeah, so she's great, and she's onto it, that woman. And there needs to be more people follow suit, I would say. Uh, the time is uh, 13 minutes to 8. We'll have TNT Radio News coming up for you at 8 o'clock. Grant Edwards, playing today's best country, Liberty New Zealand Breakfast, the world at five, on 88.1 FM, the wireless. Okay, well how about a bit of music, what about some uh, Kelsey Ballerini? This is one of my favourites, it's called Muscle Memory, this will take us pretty close to the news, well maybe not, kind of, sort of.
closer. Ten minutes to eight. TNT Radio News coming up at eight o'clock. Now, what do we got? Should we go to newshub.co.nz? That's where you'll find them. Gaza death toll surpasses 25,000, according to the Islamic terrorists inside Gaza. And Trump leads over Nikki Haley. It's widened to double-digit figures in the New Hampshire poll. This is news just come through. Uh, they've got a video there, which I've got to stop. Let's just stop that video. Clickety-click. There we are. The race for the New Hampshire Republican presidential primary appears to be former President Donald Trump. 
uh, to lose, <laughs> according to the CNN poll. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I'll be surprised if he loses, actually. Conducted by the University of New Hampshire following Trump's 30-point win in Iowa caucuses last week. Trump holds a 50% support among likely Republican primary voters in the Granite State. Uh, while his closest competitor, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, stands at 39%. Uh, both have gained support since uh, supporters since the CNN UH, uh, UNH poll in early January, when Trump held 39% and Haley 32 As the field of major contenders has shrunk from six candidates to three, both Trump and Haley, uh, they now hold their highest level of support in UH, UNH polling in the race since 2021, but Haley's sharp gains since last summer have not been enough to catch Trump, as the gap between them has once again widened to double digits. Ah, oh, that kind of sounded like she was going to win. I don't think so. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who led the race for the UNH poll in early 2023, but has recently pulled back his efforts in the state. He stands at just 6% oh, in the poll, below, below the 10% minimum support he would need to win delegates per, uh, there per, per, uh, per the Republican Party rules. For Trump's opponents, New Hampshire has long appeared to be the place in the early primary calendar that offered the best shot at knocking him off track in his bid for a third straight GOP presidential nomination. It was the only early state where polls consistently found Trump without majority support and where voters often showed that openness, the most openness to his rivals. But his latest survey, or this latest survey, shows that Trump's popularity within the GOP base and the commitment of his supporters outweigh the appeal of his challenges. New Hampshire's traditional independent streak and more moderate pool of likely primary voters, when compared with uh, other states whose nominating contests land ahead of the Super Tuesday, they're part of why some Trump rivals are fixated on the state as the place to stand out. And Haley has won over those groups, apparently. She holds 58% support among those who are registered as undecl undeclared New Hampshire's term for independent voters. And the plan to uh, vote in the GOP primary, uh, and 71% among those who consider themselves ideologically moderate, she also stands ahead of Trump among voters who hold college degrees, 50%, Haley to 38, Trump's 38%, but each of these groups on its own makes up a minority of likely GOP voters or primary voters in New Hampshire. 47% are registered undeclared. 33 sounds like they shouldn't be voting <laughs> undeclared. 33% are at least college graduates and just about 3 in 10. So the um, subtext of this whole story is that they're saying that if you're, you're a redneck half-wit with no education, if you're going to vote for Trump. Trump was largely consolidated his support, he has rather, uh, among the larger flip sides on each of those groups. He has the backing of 67% of registered Republicans, 71% conservatives, and 55% of those who do not have college degrees. See, see what they're trying to do here? And among Trump supporters, 88% say they have definitely decided to support him, compared with 74% of Haley supporters who are similarly locked in. That translates to 45% of the electorate being firmly decided Trump supporters, compared with just 30% who are equally decided Haley backers. I don't think she's got a snowball's chance, frankly. Uh, with just a few days to go before Tuesday's primary, about one in five likely Republican primary voters overall say they have yet 
uh, to lock in their choice. The group broadly backs Haley. As of now, 51% of her 28% support Trump. 14% say that they are supporters of DeSantis. Broadly speaking, New Hampshire's likely Republican primary voters expect Trump to win on Tuesday. 70% say that they think that he will carry the day, uh, just as 36% Haley backers feel the same way. So there we are, losing interest in that one. As Trump continues to be viewed more favourably than either Haley or DeSantis within the primary electorates, 56% have a positive view of Trump compared with 36% who feel that the way that Haley and 28% DeSantis feel what feel that way. Oh, I see. And he's only one of three remaining candidates to have maintained a net positive favorability rating throughout the past year, while both Haley and DeSantis end the campaign for the Granite State in negative, in negative territory. That's 11 points for uh, DeSantis and just four for Haley. So there we are. That, oh, it goes on and on. Oh, the screeds of it. Oh, no, we're not going to read all that. Okay, coming up to news, um, we're looking at four minutes two, I think it is. Or is it three and a half? Let's find out. Oh, gosh, it's three minutes two now, so we're getting close to news. Uh, oh, I can click that um, other thing on now. I, had, I have to keep taking Facebook off because they keep pinging me all the time. So what I do is if I play a song, I just um, stop streaming, but we'll start streaming again now. Okay, well, welcome along to the program. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I hope it's not too boring. Not much news from New Zealand coming out at the moment, is it? If you've got any news, let me know. Give me a text on 0217322423. You can do that. And if you've got a favourite country song that you want us to play after 8 o'clock, why not text that through too? Because I'll be here till 9 o'clock before I go out working, although it looks as though it could be marginal today on the farm. Looks like it's a bit uh, a bit rainy. I'm so pleased I got all my digger work done yesterday. We would have been in um, Poop Street. Um, okay, so uh, let's go back to... Um, we've had the On This Day in History, haven't we, with that whaler. He was a whaler, and then he became a slave trader. He competes in the Wellington Anniversary Regatta. That was On This Day in History in 1863. Captain Thomas McGrath, he skipped the winning sailboat. Uh, in a race on uh, Lampton Harbour, which uh, carried a 10-quid prize or a £10 prize. The second place went to another fellow from his ship, the Gresham, 47-year-old McGrath. He had a successful 15-year career hunting whales in the South Pacific. But by the early 1860s, the leviathans of the deep were you know, few and far between. And the voyage he had begun in Hobart in December 1861 was to be his last in pursuit of the of the whales. McGrath uh, was a hard taskmaster though because 27 crew members deserted him when the 90-foot Cretion docked in Wellington Harbour at the wharf uh, in the first days of 1863 after making four kills off Fiji. Instead of returning to Hobart with the proceeds of the whale oil, McGrath bought food and liquor and had the vessel repainted black and white to resemble a man of war. The undermanned Cretion then sailed to Chatham Islands where they um, he recruited 20 Maoris to replace the deserters. He told them that he was intending to hunt for whales around the coast of New Zealand, but he headed north instead. On the 17th of May, McGrath announced his intention to fill the hold with Pacific Islanders and take them to Peru, which uh, was uh, recently legalised as a recruitment of Pacific Islanders for plantation labourers and also domestic servants on three-year contracts, but they barely paid them. Uh, I've got news coming up very shortly. Uh, the businessmen over there, they pay 200 pesos per person with no questions asked. And uh, it was a more reliable income for them. And uh, hang on, here comes the news. 
Get her and Twitter. Now, TNT Radio News. Taking a look at some of the news that shaped the week, I'm Matt Boyland. U.S. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene held an independent hearing examining the injuries and deaths caused by experimental COVID-19 vaccines. The Republican representative condemned the House's investigation into the origins of the virus, saying attention must now be directed towards the adverse reactions caused by the deadly mRNA shots. The hearing was told how the jab has harmed or killed thousands of Americans and heard from three renowned doctors, including paediatric cardiologist Dr Kirk Milhone, who said the risk of actually catching COVID increased with every jab you took. I don't know what's going on because when I look at the Cleveland Clinic data, when there are 51,000 employees that are looked at and they study and they say, what's your risk of getting COVID? And it looks at how many vaccines you had. The lowest risk for getting COVID is if you've had zero vaccines. As you add vaccines, your risk to get COVID goes up. I've never seen a vaccine like this. What do we tell you? It's not the basis what do we tell of you? vaccines. They shouldn't have been saying it all along. negative efficacy. Mm. That is a peer-reviewed, beautiful study from Cleveland Clinic, completely ignored. Meanwhile, the mRNA shots have also been linked to a surge in excess deaths and serious cardiac events in the UK. It comes after the director of the Centre of Evidence-Based Medicine at the University of Oxford concluded that the rise was predominantly caused by cardiovascular disease and said it could not be explained away by COVID, population growth or an ageing population. Member for Parliament Andrew Bridgen laid it all on the table on Tuesday, dishing out the facts in Westminster Hall. Consultant cardiologist Dr Asim Alhotra, who is a world-leading expert in the causes of heart disease, also told TNT Radio yesterday that even though cardiovascular disease is multifactorial, the top of the list in the hierarchy of causes behind excess cardiac-related deaths has to be the experimental COVID mRNA vaccine until proven otherwise. Ooh, this is not speculative, wow, but based on the highest level of data, which combines plausible biological mechanism, randomised controlled trials, high-quality observational data, pharmacovigilance data, autopsy data, and clinical data. And those who choose not to acknowledge these cold, hard facts cold hard facts, Mr Sagari, are either unaware of the evidence, willfully blind or lack a conscience. More than 14,000 people signed a petition calling on the British government to launch a public inquiry into excess mortality last year. But the government dismissed the public's concerns, saying it was already taking steps to reduce excess deaths and said it had no plans to investigate the cause of the recent surge. The British government's already holding an inquiry into its handling of the pandemic, but the topic of vaccines continues to be pushed further down the agenda. Speaking with TNT this week, Dr Asim Malhotra said the government was trying its hardest to stop the data on vaccine dosages, dates and deaths from being made public until after the general election. If there was nothing to hide, they would certainly release this data for analysis, anonymised, to stop the upswell of legitimate concern. The public inquiry should be urgently looking at this issue. Instead, they're wasting taxpayers' money accessing over WhatsApp messages while people are dying. We're witnesses to the greatest medical scandal in living memory, the consequential fallout in trust, public opinion and public confidence uh, is only just beginning. Also this week, it was revealed birth rates have fallen to their lowest level in France since the end of the Second World War. And North Korea ramped up its weapon testing this week, firing a solid fuel ballistic missile fitted with a hypersonic warhead and testing a new underwater nuclear weapon system. This has been Matt Boyland with your weekend news brief. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. 
scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging. At the top and bottom of the hour. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. All righty then, it's four minutes past. Coming up to four minutes past, anyway, three and a half minutes past, uh, the hour of uh, eight o'clock, and so that's it for me. But let's check out the weather and see what's going on there. Uh, in the meantime, before I head out to the um, head out to the work, to check on the cows, make sure they haven't got stuck in a swamp somewhere or st- stuck down in a crevice, crevice or uh, where else do they go? They go down uh, to dams and stuff like that. You've got to pull them out by the head. You pull a cow out by the head and a, and a, ca- ca- uh, a horse by the tail. Special way of doing it. They're stronger. You can lift a cow up by its head with a, with a digger. You can. True. Now, uh, extremes right across the country. Napier's still on 21. Oh, i better refresh that because I think that's old. Let's check that out and see if it's still 21.9. No, it's gone. It's got a bit warmer now. And New Plymouth's overtaken. 22.5 degrees for New Plymouth. Queenstown, Queenstown's got the lowest temperature, 13 degrees there. Castle Point, 33 kilometres of wind per hour. And Westport, it's pouring down there with 3.4 millimetres of rain. Still could be worse, couldn't it? Stewart Island's got uh, 15 degrees this morning, along with Invercargill. Dunedin, 16, and Timaru as well. Chatham Island's 19 degrees. Queenstown's 13. France Joseph, 17 degrees. 18 in Westport and 21 in Nelson. Blenheim's on 22. And Christchurch, 18. Wellington, 22. Marsden, 21 degrees. Also Palmerston North. New Plymouth 23, Napier 20, Taupo and uh, Rotorua 19 and 21 respectively, Gisborne on 20 degrees, Tauranga 21, Hamilton also there, and Auckland as well, and Wangarei, all th- four of them are on 21 degrees at the moment, Kaitaia, it's a wee bit moister up there and a bit warmer, and they've got 22 degrees. All right, for um, the short forecast for all of New Zealand, valid into midnight tonight for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty, Isolated showers, some scattered rain in the Bay of Plenty until this afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain spreading south this morning with heavy falls in Gisborne, clearing in the evening. Waitomo to Wellington, including the central high country. Also for Wairarapa and Marlborough and Nelson, uh, you've got fine spells, isolated showers, some possibly heavy with thunderstorms inland this afternoon and evening. Uh, over on the west from Buller to Fjordland, showers, some heavy, possibly thundery from Grey District southwards this morning and in the evening. Canterbury, scattered rain, followed by isolated showers, possibly heavy, and then clearing in the evening. Otago and Southland, scattered morning rain in Clutha and Southland, otherwise cloudy periods with isolated showers. And in the Chatham Islands, cloud with uh, rain developing overnight. Okay, let me find my way back to the old um, turntable, and uh, this is Douglas Murray. Won't play if you don't push the button. Huh? The Mexican fisherman story. Are you familiar with that? No, I don't think I am. An American businessman goes on holiday to Mexico. He gets taken out fishing by a local Mexican. And he asks the Mexican how he spends his time. The Mexican says, I fish a little on the morning. I catch enough for my family. We go back. We cook. We laugh around the fire. And I spend time with my children. And the American businessman goes, that's stupid. Here's a better idea. What you should do is actually spend most of your day fishing. And then with the surplus fish, you could sell them at the market. Mexican fisherman says, and why would I do that? Once you've got the additional money, you could start to employ some of your friends and they could come out fishing with you too and you could catch more fish which you could sell at the market for more money why would i do that you would be able to incorporate in america and you would maybe be able to start a canning factory so that you could own the entire production process and you could then sell the company for a lot of money and why would i do that he said because you'd be able to fish a little on a morning and then go back and spend time (laughs) with your children around the fire very good and i often think about that as a much more direct route to happiness the place you end up is the place you started from 
Yeah, that's right. Okay, look, we just stick with it because we were talking about that um, Captain McGrath on the 17th of May, uh, 1863, was it? Oh, it might have been later than that. When was that? This was after he um, he replaced his deserters with Maori. So he had 27 people they, they took off in Wellington. They weren't going to, he was a bit of a hard taskmaster. And so he told these Maoris that he was going to hunt for whales around New Zealand and also, you know, around the coast of New Zealand for, for whales, but never did. Headed north instead. On the 17th of May, McGrath announced his intention to fill the hold with Pacific Islanders and take them to Peru as slaves. And he'd recently legalized, they had recently legalized the recruitment of Pacific Islanders as plantation laborers and domestic servants on three year almost unpaid contracts. Businessmen paid up to 200 pesos per person with no questions asked. It was more a reliable income for the captain. Uh, than he was making from whaling because of the, uh, the scarcity of the whales. Um, eight crewmen were refused. They recru- refused to take... Oh, for goodness sake. I'll be back in a minute. So how many people that went to the moon do we even know? There was, uh, we know the first ones. There was Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. They went Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. And even the third is hard to remember. His name was Michael Collins. And Michael Collins... In one of the just most unfair jokes, I don't know what it was, he got to go all the way to the moon, but not go on the moon. (laughs) All the way to the moon, and then that little rope ladder, he wasn't allowed to go down. He had to stay in the lunar capsule while Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong went on the moon. And Michael Collins just looking out the window going, are those motherfuckers golfing? Ooh, ooh, I could have edited that one. That wasn't so good. Sorry about the swearing there, but a few expletives. Uh, anyway, he wasn't. He, he was in the bar over in the UK there while Kubrick, Kubrick that was Stanley, he was directing the, um, the fake moon landing. Uh, that's what I think. Anyway, I think you'll find I'm right. Eventually, when we all get to heaven, or hope we all do, hope you all read your Bible verses. Read John 3.16, that's a good start. Read that, and then because we don't want anyone left behind. We, uh, because uh, the devil takes no prisoners. Okay, now we're looking at that story of that, uh, not really a pirate, is he? He's a, he's a uh, slave trader. And he, and he won the, um, so just going back there, so the, the gist of the story, he won the anniversary regatta. Uh, that was on the 22nd of January, and he won the 10 quid. Uh, which was the prize money for it, and that was just before the news. And then, so anyway, eight of his crew, they refused to take part in the scheme, and they were put ashore in Samoa. Uh, the rest, nearly all Maori, they sailed to sailed the Cretan to the isolated Tongan island of Atar, where locals were, they were used to trading with the passing ships, and nearly 150 men, women and children, half of the island's population, they came aboard. <laughs> they were lured into the hold with the promise of a meal. Come, have some kai. Uh, and once the trap doors were closed and, the, and locked, the Grecians sailed for Peru. A trading um, in Pacific workers had been banned in the, at the time of the Atins that they were offloaded in a place called Kao. That was in Peru. Many con- contracted smallpox while they were cooped up in a warehouse waiting for a ship home. But it's unclear if any of them, this is three years after they've been slaving over there for next to nothing, if it was, it's, it's unclear as to whether any of them actually returned to Tonga. The remaining inhabitants of Atar were evacuated to the mainland after the raid, and they were later resettled on the island of 
Iwa, uh, where many of their descendants still live today. In 1863, December, McGrath stood trial in Bluff on charges of appropriating the creation from its owners and breaching the Customs Act by failing to declare spirits and foodstuffs that he'd landed on Stewart Island. He was convicted and probably served some time in jail. McGrath was never charged in relation to his actions at Hatar. That was by Scott Hamilton, and the book that he's written there is called The, the Stolen Island, Searching for Atar. And uh, that's pretty good, eh? Pretty good slave trader. And I think Radio New Zealand have actually got a podcast on that whole thing. Yeah, they have. Uh, in the first week of June 1863, half the population of a small Tongan island called Atar boarded a ship that kept, uh, captained by Thomas McGrath, where they were never seen again. Inside, from a handful of castaways, that's the, that's the name of the podcast, Atar had been abandoned ever since. In this episode of Black Sheep, William Ray investigates the story of a slave raid which destroyed a small civilization. Today, many of the survivors of the raid, they still suffer stigma. They are told their ancestors were weak or stupid for falling for McGrath's lies. Sometimes it's claimed one of the island leaders sold his own people into slavery, a myth which still haunts the descendants. A true story of Atar is much broader. It's a story of environmental destruction, resistance and imperialism. Oh, rubbish. Oh, listen to the words. Environmental, you know, envir- greenies getting involved there with RNZ. What's wrong with you? you need to clean out of RNZ or we'll shut the thing down. When NZ Law takes over, we'll shut the whole thing down. We'll have a brand new radio in New Zealand with proper journalists and they'll get people from counters for media in. They know what they're doing. N- nothing goes out of that place unless it's been thoroughly checked. Nothing. Everything that they've said, they, they call them right wing extremists. That's Calvin Alp and Hannah Spear. They call them right wing, but really it is they're just right. They just leave the wing off. They are right. Everything they've done, everything they've said has been right. And they've got more. And that's why the police invaded their property and took all their camera gear and computers and stuff like that. And also, I bet you they took all those books that uh, were written by, um, what's his name? Greg Hallett, New Zealand, A Blackmailer's Guide. Very interesting book if you can get hold of that. Hopefully um, they didn't take all those books. Hopefully they didn't. Uh, but contact Counterspin Media, either Hannah or Calvin, and send them a nice big Send them just a small donation, 100 bucks or something like that. Or if you're feeling generous, 500 or maybe even 1,000. Shoot it to them. And I'm sure that Calvin will, will ship a book off to you um, by Greg Hallett, who's in hiding in Europe, somewhere in Europe. And um, he's had 12 assassination attempts on his life, according to another podcast that I was watching. Very interesting. Anyway, um, William Ray, you halfwit. Anyway, so the stolen island searching for Atar. This is a story about McGrath, but it could be an interesting one. But oh, listen to listen to how they what do they say? Environmental destruction, resistance to imperialism. What a load of fooey, and global effort to abolish slavery. And it was actually a, a, most of the people that were involved in abolishing it because it's against the Bible. Uh, the Bible says man stealing is is against uh, God's will. Nothing wrong with slaves. Servants and slaves, because slaves and servants were sort of, I don't think they ever called them slaves anyway, but servant, nothing wrong with a servant. They had lots of servants, men, uh, what they call them, handmaidens, that sort of thing. That was fine, but they were paid, or they were indentured servants where they had to pay back a something that was owed to the person who was their um, um, boss. So that's the Bible. And But a lot of people like to say, oh, they're slaves, you see, but they weren't slaves at all. Man stealing is against the scriptures. Nowhere in the Bible does it condone slavery. And so there were Christian, when men became Christians, uh, they stopped it. 
and uh, I think was one of the ones who wrote the wonderful hymn, uh, Not How Great Thou Art. Uh, what's that one that goes, um, yeah, Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art. Oh, it's got a, got some funny English words in it. Thou art, thou art. Oh, that's, oh, I can't have that then, can we? Yeah, see, we, we, we say that. Um, how great thou art that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And he was a slave trader. Amazing, eh? Okay, so that's my lot for the day. It's uh, 16 minutes past eight. I'll see you tomorrow morning at five o'clock. We must add that, add a little word to that, and that is a couple of words. God willing, you will see me tomorrow morning because anything could happen here on the farm. Anything at all could happen. I could have a heart attack, or a, although probably less likely to have one of those now that I'm on the full carnivore diet, and also that I haven't been jabbed up with any jabs. And for those poor people that had to do it, they did it. I feel sorry for them. My heart goes out to you that you were forced into it by this friggin' government and their, your employer to um, who knows nothing about health. And now we're finding out through TNT Radio News there and in the UK, investigations are out that the all-cause mortality rate is through the roof. It's the same here in New Zealand. And what are we doing here in New Zealand? We're just covering it up, aren't we? That's what we do. It's just a big cover-up. All those people, Jacinda, enjoy your honeymoon because one day you'll stand trial for treason and you'll stand tr- with all your other um, half-wits in your left-wing uh, Labour party. You'll stand trial for treason. You'll also stand trial for genocide because you're responsible for the deaths and injuries of thousands of New Zealanders. And they reckon, I think, 10 million or more worldwide. And all the people that are ending up in, with problems like myocarditis and pericarditis and other problems, they've all been jabbed. And that's the latest news that's just come out. So there you go. Okay, there we are. We will see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing. And um, I'm going to leave you with a nice song. Who have I got here? I had someone. Oh, American girl, Kerry Underwood. She's always good value. Oh, no. Oh, that's a bit old, isn't it? We won't have her. Uh, who else have I got here? Oh, what about... Um, oh, there was a nice one I, that was on the other day. Old Dominion. They they do not bad music. So now which one did I like? Try to see which one it was. Oh, my heart's a bar. Yeah. <laughs> this is quite good. This is Old Dominion. Hope you enjoy this. Well, I have a reputation of being a late night destination. Like I'm some kind of vacation for lost souls. My door is always open. Coming lonely, they come in broken. They figure out where they're going, then they go. And when they don't need me no more, I'm left sweeping up the floor. My heart is a bar, and I'm closing it down. So find somewhere else to get drunk in this town. I'm tired of being a shoulder and never having one around My heart is a bar and I'm closing, I'm closing it down I've come to the conclusion that true love is an illusion Someone else. Well, I'm sick of all the noise, so kill the lights and.
boys Fire the band and take the poison off the shelf Say la vie, farewell They go by the name of Old Dominion. Well, it's raining here, drizzling and carrying on. I can't really do much on the old digger. I haven't even got a cab on it. <laughs> so I might as well stick around for a bit longer and wait for it to clear up. I think it's supposed to clear up a bit later on this afternoon. So how about we play a bit of country music together? Thanks for joining me. Hope you're um, having a great day today. 22nd, I think it is, isn't it? Was it 25th today? I can't remember what it is. 22nd today, Monday the 22nd. 22 minutes past eight and uh, why don't we just carry on and uh, we'll just keep on streaming play a few songs and uh, enjoy that country music I'll see if I can pull out a few uh, of my favourites anyway this is Florida Georgia Line and this is very good advice actually to any young man you want to buy it? 1968 was just another year the fields needed tilling and there wasn't enough rain but it was the first year Rosie started bringing my lunch out to the field every day
Rosie and I had five children. One died at birth. Tough times, tough years, but did okay. You make some sweat with it, taking a show to it. You stuck some crosses and some painted gold posts through it. You know you came from it. And someday you'll return to this Travel and see the world. No, she said, the world comes right to my window every day, even if it is broken. You know you came from it. And someday you'll return to See, Rosie was right about two things. You don't have to see the world to be worldly. Just raise good children, bake good enough pies. The world will come right to your kitchen window. She was right about something else, too. I built that baseball diamond way too close to the kitchen. You know you came from here. Florida Jackson line there, they call himself, did I say Georgia? Florida, Georgia. So that's the the line, the chain line from Florida, because one of the singers is from Florida, the other one's from Georgia. So they call themselves Florida, Georgia line. Now we've got some news just to hand at uh, 27 minutes past eight, and uh, around 50 firefighters, they're tackling a blaze at an Auckland business in... uh, that was this morning. Fire and Emergency New Zealand said staff responded to an automatic alarm at about uh, 10 minutes to 6 this morning. On arrival, firefighters found a well-involved fire at a two-storey commercial building in only hunger. According to the spokesman, Fire at New Zealand said that eight fire trucks and three ladder trucks and four specialist trucks and a third alarm blaze. Uh, what does that mean? Four, four specialist trucks to the third alarm blaze 
on Nielsen Street. Firefighters are still working to extinguish the fire, according to a Fire New Zealand spokesperson. The fire investigator will look into the cause of the fire. So that's the latest there from News Hub. Uh, the death toll, of course, uh, twenty surpasses 25,000 there. Trump lead over Haley widens to double digits in the New Hampshire poll. Hawke's Bay, one suspected dead in the Napier crash. That's just come through. Another crash. One person is expected to be is expected to be dead after a serious crash in Napier. Expected to be. <clears throat> Emergency services were called to a crash on Kennedy Road at about half past twelve this morning. The crash involved two vehicles, and initial indications suggest one person has deceased, according to or is deceased, according to a police spokesperson. A police said Kennedy Road is now closed between Mardi Road and Bill Hercock Street, while emergency services navigate the scene. Diversions are in place. However, motorists are advised to avoid the area if at all possible and uh, expect delay, slight delays in travel. So that is uh, very sad news from um, Hawke's Bay. So that's no good. And um, of course, we've got the government hitting back at the uh, the loan session, they call it. That's the hui. Hui is a Maori word for meeting or te reo me- meaning. Now they call it te reo. It says that they're putting Kiwis before iwi. In other words, New Zealanders before tribes. One dead and two seriously injured after a vehicle rolls on the Auckland Beach Murawai. And uh, that doesn't look to sound too good, actually. That, there was a girl there. She was on, I think she was on the back of a ute by the sound of it. And uh, a full bus was affected, apparently, according to St John's. They were called after multiple teens fainted in extreme heat on the bus from Sound Splash. Silver ferns scrape past Uganda at Nations Cup in London. Uh, other stories from News Hub. We've got Prince Harry. He dumps his libel claim against the UK tabloid. And Tama Potaka, he says accusations the government-based is white supremacy is premature. What does he say? The government-based in white supremacy. Ah, oh, of course not. Yeah, good on you, mate, for saying that. Maori Development Minister Tama Potaka says he doesn't believe the government's actions are based on in white supremacy, calling the assertion premature. I think that's a bit weak, calling it ridiculous. Potaka's comments come after several speakers criticised the coalition over its kaupapa Maori policies at the hui, uh, a, 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 mo, a motu, what's it, a national hui, a national meeting, that is, of Maori, in Narawahia, on Sunday, up to 10,000 people attended the meeting at the two Rangawaiwai Marae, hosted by the King, the Maori King. And uh, politicians attended the meeting, including Labour's Willie Jackson, of course, Kamel Sipuloni, and Pini Haneri, Henari, I should say, and others, plus Marama Davidson, all the leftists, <laughs> Darlene Tana and Steve Abel from the Greens, the full caucus of the Maori Party came also. Speakers attended, uh, attending included legal experts, former politicians and prominent Maori figures from around the country. Lawyer uh, Dale uh, T, uh, Ta- Taki Timu uh, took aim at the government's uh, early in the day. He said an illiterate white supremacist <laughs> an illiterate white supremacist is a nuisance and a ho-ha, that's annoyance, uh, but any illiterate white supremacist in power is dangerous, he, he told the crowd. He also called the government treaty illiterate. Rubbish, we can speak English. It's just that you th- you're trying to pretend it means something else. So there we are, all the leftists 
were meeting over there. But good on uh, old, um, what's his name, that fellow there, good on, uh, Tama, Tama Potaka. Good on you, mate. But it's a bit weak. Premature is, is weak. You should just outright say no, double down, double down. We New Zealanders don't want Maori ruling this country. New Zealanders, Maori included, a lot of Maori included, because they know they'll just lead to tribal wars. Um, it'd, be just, it'd just be hopeless. It'd be like giving Gaza, uh, you know, back to the, giving the Gaza Strip, handing over parts of northern Gaza, which is what the Israelis did in 2005. And what happened? <laughs> it turned to, turned to crap, didn't it? Anyway, so we've got religious leaders there as well. Honestly, oh, it's just rubbish. Just a rubbish meet, just a moan session. And that's exactly what it is. The cost of living, we've still got problems there with the cost of living. Now, where did that disappear to? Here it is, cost of living, strong headwinds, apparently. Uh, the uh, cost of living here in New Zealand it looks as though inflation is set to gradually fall in 2024. As the United Nations asserts a grim warning, though, uh, we've got um, their reports come out that um, warning about high rental prices is uh, likely to limit progress on curbing New Zealand's high inflation rate this year, meaning the cost of living crisis is not over yet. But the United Nations have released its 2024 World Economic Situation and Prospectus report last week, which projections... Uh, it projects inflation in New Zealand will fall fairly gradually over the next 12 months. The report said New Zealand's inflation will remain relatively high in 2024 due to an acceleration in rental prices driven by housing supply shortages. The New Zealand Consumer Price Index projected to fall 3.1% in 2024 before dropping to 2.6% in 2025. New Zealanders are battling the cost of living crisis. They've been doing that since 2021, since the COVID pandemic. <laughs> Uh, with inflation currently remaining stubbornly high at 5.6 degrees, with more than double the uh, Reserve Bank's RN, that's the RBNZ target, the United Nations Consumer Price Index is slightly behind the, the Treasury, uh, of what Treasury has predicted for New Zealand, but they will re return to the, R the RBNZ's target uh, band of 1% to 2%, apparently. Treasury released its half-year economic and fiscal update fiscal, fiscal, uh, in December, uh, which predicted inflation would fall within the target band late in 2024 this year. The United Nations report said economic situation in New Zealand and other developed economies in the Asia-Pacific, like Australia, are facing strong headwinds. The United Nations has pencilled uh, a real GDP growth of 1% for New Zealand in 23, with the official data of the final quarter of the year yet to be released. That's down from 2.7% in 2022. The UN expected growth to edge up 1.1% in 24 and 2.2 in 25. External demand for major trading partners, including the United States and China, has weakened, while monetary tightening in Australia, New Zealand and the Republic of Korea has constrained domestic demand growth, the report said. Went on to say growing fiscal uh, consolidation efforts following large fiscal expansions during the COVID, COVID, the COVID, during the, um, where are we going, what are we going out on? No, I've stopped all the social media. Uh, so we're still going out on just Rumble and all the streams. So we're okay there. So we can say COVID-19 pandemic has further, uh, are further depressing domestic demand. While the governments have implemented uh, implemented policy measures to help their citizens cope with the cost of living crisis over the past two years. The impact of these measures have been largely neutral or weak in terms of affecting economic expansion. New Zealand's labour market also surged to record lows during the COVID-19 pandemic, and the report predicts 
it's going to remain tight this year despite record immigration. Tight labour market conditions led to rapid wage growth, while growth, <laughs> growth, growth's <laughs> got an F in it, uh, or a PH, uh, which continued even after the headline inflation peaked in 2022, particularly in Australia and New Zealand, according to the report. It also says, while nominal wage growth has been driving current inflation, the consent, uh, the consequence, the, the consequent negative real wage growth has eroded household purchasing power. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, he has uh, a grim message about, what would you know, you flippin' communist, blimmin' terrorist, a uh, message about the economic outlook for 2024, saying this year was projected. Why are we listening to the United Nations about our country? It's just nonsense. New Zealand is also on the brink of another recession after the RBNZ revealed that's the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, Reserved in De- uh, they revealed in December gross domestic product had fallen to 0.3% in the September quarter from the June quarter. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that New Zealand is only one quarter away from being in a technical recession. The next update is due in March. Uh, then adding to all this, thousands of New Zealanders are refixing their mortgages from the low rates seen during the joke, the COVID pandemic or around 2 to 3% uh, to new rates of around 6 to 7%. So it's still pretty cheap compared to what we had to pay when we was young. When I was young and we paid a lot more than that, far out I can remember, oh, figures like 18%, up to 24% for a second mortgage. What you do is you get your first mortgage and then you'd, um, before you, then what would you do? And that you, you organise your second mortgage but you wouldn't register it. Then you get your first mortgage and then you go and get your second mortgage of Nana and Granddad or something like that, or or, or, or some organisation. Anyway, so how about some mucus? Uh, more mucus, I think, is required. Enough chit-chat. Uh, I think that's all the news there is. I don't think there's anything new to hand. I'll just double, if I can find the thing, double check. Uh, what have we got? Otago Daily Times, anything new there? Sense of unity, key at the national meeting, apparently the national Kingitanga meeting, held in Waikato at the weekend. That was at the Tuwanga Raiwai Raiwai Marae, um, organised by the Maori King. Uh, Apparently that was successful for them. A race against time to save the whales. I thought they um, euthanised them. Pretty sure they did. That might be old news. We'll go back to RNZ. They'll have some new news there, surely. Yes, they have. How a Northland drug park became a family-friendly destination. People Power has triumphed in a once-neglected corner of Northland's top tourist town, where locals have succeeded in driving out drug dealers and unsavoury activity. Well, very good. A man's been charged with murder over a fatal st- uh, stabbing in Rangatiki. Uh, 37-year-old's due to appear in the Wanganui District Court today. Heavy rain lashes the East Cape, Westland as well. Heavy rain has hit the eastern parts of the North Island and Westland in the South Island overnight. And weather warnings remain in place for Gisborne. And uh, you've got the pot of whales stranded. 40 what they call false killer whales and dolphins have been euthanised. There we are. And one dead, two seriously injured after a coal car rolls on Murawai Beach. Cell phones can be positive use in classrooms, according to a principal. I, I can't, I can't imagine why. Canterbury principal says cell phones can be better, can be, uh, can better educate students on good etiquette around them. What? Canterbury principal says cell phones can better educate. How can they? A severe thunderstorm warning for parts of the central North Island today. Met services issued that warning under a severe thunderstorm watch with downpours expected in Hastings and the Rangitiki.
Rangitiki, yep. Sign- significant numbers of properties affected by Canterbury's fires, apparently. According to the Mayor, Mayor of Wai Makariri, he says it's extremely lucky that no one lost their lives in the North Canterbury scrub fires. And memories from the Tangiwai disaster, which happened on 1953 in December uh, 24th, New Year's Eve, people were heading home to families and friends with presents and gifts and they ended up going off the end of a bridge which was stuck by what they call laha. Is it? I don't know if you pronounce that right. It's basically just mud. A mudslide came down and destabilised the bridge and knocked it up and the poor old train went right into there with carriages, first class and second class and the engine itself all ended up in there. But one man, he was attending the memorial service of the Tangiwai disaster. He says that he still is touched by the events 70 years on. Staff injured in Manukau aggravated robbery. Police are investigating after yet another violent robbery at a South Auckland service station. This one in Cavendish Drive, I think from memory. Yes, they are. Officers were called to the petrol station in Cavendish Drive at about quarter past six on Sunday morning. Four members, uh, four men assaulted a member of the staff before taking items and fleeing in a stolen vehicle. St John's Ambulance said that they attended the incident and treated the patient who was in a moderate condition. So it must be pretty serious. must have whacked him or something. It was the third aggravated robbery at service stations in South Auckland this month already. And what are we up to? 22nd. It's not good. Masterton, they lead the Sunday heat wave, 33 degrees apparently. That's apparently the hottest place in the land with temperatures they were felt throughout the country on Sunday. It was a bit of a warm one. I just stopped work for a few hours and then came back out again about 3-ish or 4 o'clock, I think it was. Started again, worked till about 9 o'clock. It was still light. Hupper State, um, Masterton was the hottest place, but Met Service said that Master, you know, top that, you know, okay, multiple other locations, they were close behind with Auckland, Palmerston North, Hastings, Culverdale, they all hit 30 temperatures, you know, 30s, 30 degrees Celsius, just above. Uh, just below was, um, we had Hamilton, Kaitaia, Gisborne, and Napier, also Wellington and Blenheim, just under the 30 mark. So if you're looking for a hot spot to cool off, or a spot rather, not a hot spot, you're looking for a spot to cool off, the lowest temperature of the day was in Haas at 21 degrees. That was on Sunday. It was pretty warm. Pretty warm. Um, a pretty woman. A man, was being, he's been fatally shot in Palmerston North as a homicide investigation is underway there. Uh, that is fairly recent there, the homicide investigation underway in Palmerston North. In a statement, Police Detective Sergeant Dave Wilson said emergency services were called to Coromandel Court at about 7.30 on Saturday night with reports of a man being shot. He was taken to hospital but died of his injury shortly after. Uh, he said that uh, police have maintained a scene guard at the property uh, overnight and will complete, complete a scene examination with assistance from the staff at ESR. Officers will remain uh, there today, that would be what, Sunday, as uh, they piece together exactly what happened. So they'll still be working on that homicide investigation. Wilson said police wanted to hear from anyone that was in the Roslyn areas of Coromandel Court and Featherston Street that may have seen anything suspicious. People have got CCTV, CCTV footage or dash cam footage uh, on, on the evening. You're asked to contact zero one, uh, 105. If you got, if you know anything about that, Taranaki GP practice. They practice a network embracing uh, physician associates. That's they're not doctors, are they? And so they've got them. So you go there instead of seeing your GP, you end up seeing some guy that's not qualified. Uh, this is the diagnosis of Taranaki GP Nick Loveridge Easter, Easter, whose practice network is one of those embracing a new multidisciplinary way of working, including employing two overseas trained physician associates 
part of the when what the qualifications are part of the health workforce in the United States since the 1960s. Physician associates or PAs work under the supervision of a doctor, but see patients independently. I think there is always always ways always a bit of hesitancy. He said, "Yeah, with anything new, but we've only we've only had great feedback about our PAs, according to Loveridge Esther, uh, they or Easter. They um, they the parents, the patients rather." They have. Uh, they they soon get used to the idea that the fact that they're going to be seen by the appropriate provider. Their patients have to get used to the fact that they can be seen by an appropriate provider for an appropriate condition, in an appropriate time, <laughs> at an appropriate time, or in an appropriate time. If we take all these other workforces on board, <laughs> what does that sentence mean? Together with the nurses, pra- nurses practitioners extend. Uh, they call it extended care medics, paramedics, pharmacists, prescribers and other healthcare workers, physician associates had huge potential to increase New Zealand's access to timely quality healthcare, he said. Chronic workforce shortages were a problem across the health sector. This is just a blimmin, just a schmoozy story, just a spin. The fact that we haven't got enough doctors. Now, I don't want to be seen by some halfwit. I don't want to be seen by someone that's not qualified. I wouldn't even, right now, after COVID, now that I know it's all BS, I wouldn't want to be seen by a doctor. I think we've got to take responsibility for our own health. Ministry of Health are currently in the process of considering regulation on physician associates who first applied to be regulated back in 2017. Meanwhile, PAs, uh, they are allowed to practice in New Zealand as long as they had at least five years' experience and maintained certification in their home countries. New Zealand Physicians Association Society President Shelley Collins said their scope of practice was the same as they're supervising doctors, uh, if they have any questions or, or anything, I'm not very comfortable with it. Uh, I I discuss it with my supervising doctor. Otherwise, I just see patients and do my thing. In order to qualify, in the United States physician associates complete a bachelor's degree, followed by a master's degree, which includes more than 2,000 hours of hands-on patient care. To maintain certification, they do 100 hours of continual medical education uh, uh, every two years and resit an exam every 10 years. Ministry of Health Chief Medical Officer Joe Bourne said that there were currently about 50 PAs practicing nationwide in New Zealand, mostly in rural areas. Uh, The first pilot of the physical or the physician, physician associate, the PA role, uh, is uh, New Zealand was at Middlemore Hospital in County's Manukau District Health Board in 2012, with further trials in 2013 and 2015. Despite a positive evaluation, Health Workforce New Zealand decided against recommending further action at this time. The question of what role, if any, PAs should play in New Zealand's health workforce therefore remains an open one. In 2017, the PA profession applied to the Ministry of Regulation under the Act and the Ministry was still assessing the application. In brief, uh, the need for regulation under the Act is basic primary on assessment of the risk of harm to the health and safety of the public or that it otherwise, or that it is otherwise in the public interest to regulate the profession under the Act. Ensuring public safety, including assigning a responsible authority like the Medical Council to set the scope of practice and require qualifications and maintain a publicly ac- accessible register of its members. 
So this is Dr. Bourne. He said consultation on the ministry's proposal to regulate the profession was recently conducted and 49 submissions received are currently being analysed. He said the ministry will then provide further advice to the Ministry of Health and will seek its instruction on whether or not the application should be progressed. He says if the application is progressed, the final decision on whether the profession should be regulated would be made by Cabinet. So there we are. Sorry, a bit long-winded there, but I didn't know much about it, so I thought I'd better read about it. Um, Wellington Road closure due, uh, due to a serious crash. One person seriously injured following a two-vehicle crash. Um, that was at um, Paikokariki Hill. That happened at half past tw- uh, 20 to 1 in the morning going home. Oh, no, at night. Oh, no, in the, what was that? Oh, in the afternoon. Yeah, in the afternoon on Sunday. Police said the serious crash unit had been informed. Motorists are being advised. Of, oh, that's old news. What do you give us old news for? Must have reached the end of it. Oh, look at the time. Gosh, we're gas-bagging. There we are. So the top stories right now with um, rnz.co.nz is the firefighters, they battle the large blaze at Auckland's only hunger. 50 firefighters tackling about tackling the fire at a commercial building, a two-storied one. Auckland swelters through the hottest day in four years, according to um, Niwa meteorologist Chris uh, Bandolini. He says that if you didn't like yesterday's odds, you will not like today. So is it going to be hot today as well, is it? I didn't think so. And uh, what else have we got? Man's been charged with that murder, fatal shooting in Rangitaki. Rangitiki. Rangitiki. 37-year-old's going to appear in the Wanganui court today. And that's about it, really. I think I've just about summed it up. So the top stories are how a, a paihia, <coughs> excuse me, oh dear, uh, how a, um, a paihia drug park became a family-friendly destination. That's interesting. I like paihia. It's nice there. Uh, People Power has triumphed in a once-neglected corner of Northland's top tourist town where locals have successfully driven out drug dealers and unsavoury activity. But they did not do it with a big stick. They did it with a waterfall, a waterfall, a children's slide and free barbecues. For, year, for years, the southern end of Paihia's main beach with its dimly lit car park, grotty toilets and rubbish-filled culverts was a magnet for bad behaviour. Fed-up locals could do little about it until they hit on an idea, filling the area with families and holiday makers, forcing dealers to look for more secluded places to conduct their business. That's a good idea. Grant Harnish of Paihia Business Owners, uh, he is a, a pioneer, a, a Paihia business owner, he led the project. Despite the uh, corner's natural beauty, it regularly attracted trouble. And that was partially because gravel area the gravel area there in the reserve was used as an unofficial car park. At night, there was a lot of unsavoury behaviour, drugs and all that sort of thing. And over the COVID period, there was a, a, that accentuated with some of the challenges the town faced, apparently. Uh, community group Focus Pie Here, they took inspiration from Australian urban design guru David Ingwicht, Ingwich, who had worked with the group on a series of... Uh, beautification projects around the seaside town so what did he do Uh, he has a simple philosophy of discouraging bad behavior in public places rather than try to push people away uh, what we need to do is provide really good behavior provide provide really good behavior Uh, so we created a nice environment we'll get good behavior and that brings in more good behavior as a consequence, you end up improving an area without trying to do it with a big stick. Uh, you do it with friendship and smiles, 
and making it a people-friendly place. Doesn't look too bad there now. Um, and uh, so the money to make it happen. So what happened? Who paid? It was $100,000, and it was a good idea in theory. So what Focus Paihia lacked was the money needed, so what did they do? Until an anonymous resident offered an extraordinary, generous $100,000 donation. The only condition was that it be spent on a single significant project that would benefit families and children. Participants of a public workshop in January last year decided unanimously to put the money towards transforming the southern end of Paihia Beach. Um, Harnish said that it became known as the 100,000 or the 100k project. It was entirely community driven and managed. The Far North District Council, I hope they chipped in with all the rates we pay. They should be chipping in. Anyway, the council, they came to the party, oh good, uh, allowing Focus Pie here to use funding already set aside for renovation of the reserve's terrible public toilets. Months of work by an estimated 100 community volunteers went into the park, which was officially opened late last year. That's good, isn't it? Uh, it included electric barbecues, a waterfall, a tube slide, children's play areas, seating, paths, plantings, and a revamped toilet and changing block. A rubbish-choked stormwater drain was, was uh, extended and covered, uh, following the grassy area available for play and picnics, and that was expanded. Crucially, the gravel parking area was removed and new lighting was installed. Uh, it looks lovely now. Ahana said combining barbecues, toilets and play facilities in one place made it an ideal for an ideal place for families and children of all ages. He said that the end result was spectacular. I love it. It's probably one of the best projects yet. The project had drawn complaints from people who likened the park uh, likened to park their likely sorry, likened to park their cars on the gravel area in front of the toilets or around the corner in Stockyard Point. There's always a lot of parking in Kings Road, which is only 100 metres down the road, but of course, a convenience is everything when you're parking. So there was some negative feedback about it, according to Harnish. So there we are. That's a good story. You could go over to RNZ and have a look at the heading for that one. It goes on quite a bit. How Paihia Drug Park Became a Family-Friendly Destination. There we are. Probably shouldn't have gone down that one. Sort of got a bit waylaid with it, didn't we? Um, who have we got coming up? We've got Jackson Dean coming up. I've got um, Sam Hunt. He's there on the turntable as well. And we've got Kerry Underwood, Kenny Chesney, and the Roadhammers all coming up before, uh, well, actually, no, coming up before. We've only got, we've only got two songs we have. I mean, we might take TNT Radio News as well. Should we do that? Or actually, we might do, um, how about we do, let me see if there's anything new. It's just come out from Sky, had all the new ones. I think there was a new one. Oh, no, it'll be late last night. I don't think they have. Oh, they might have it by now. Uh, no, nothing new. The latest story. I haven't played the latest one. There. I've got one there from um, Sky News, uh, a fast news bulletin. So we might might bring that out of the wardrobe and play that for you. Because um, I think TNT Radio News at this time of the day, uh, being a weekend, I think, for them in the States, um, we're getting some rehash stuff, sort of top stories. Although might not. Well, let, let's have a look. We'll, go, we'll try TNT Radio at nine o'clock and uh, see how we go. Okay, let's have a bit of music there. In the meantime, give my give me uh, time to have a slip of that cold coffee. Uh, let's find that turntable. Where are you? There we are, toggling away there. Oh, I went past it. Okay, so this is um, Jackson Dean. One, two, a three, a three. <laughs> 
Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless.